The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming up on episode 334 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Chevy Trailblazer, the Range Rover Velar, the Mazda CX-50, Jeep Wagoneer S is coming. Eight, uh, Stellantis has a bunch of large EVs coming by 2026. They've already got the Ram Promaster EV. Jerry Rig Everything tows with the Cybertruck. BMW is putting humanoid robots in its factory. Ford abandons plans for self-repossessing cars. They've also got a new infotainment system and got more software-defined vehicle trouble. All that and more coming up next. This is episode 334 of Wheel Bearings. I am Sam Abual-Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeland from The Room Reflected. And I am Roberto Baldwin from SAE International. I feel like it should be like SAE. Like it means something more than just <laughs> yeah. Say, say international. If you, get, if you get really excited about it, you know, yeah. it comes out like that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like the Nintendo Wii. Wii. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Wii was a great console. It was a great. A lot of people bought know, that thing. It was the best like, thing about it was one. seeing the videos of people who would accidentally throw their little controllers at their giant screens because they didn't put the little safety strap thingies. Well, they on their they hands. didn't include those originally. I don't think. Or Did maybe they, yeah, they didn't. Have oh the no, strap? no, it, was, it was, was it was the it was the rubber uh, sleeve that you could put around. You could it. hold on. Yeah, had a grip so you could on hold it. tight. That's or... what they added later on. Because they were slick as hell. Yeah. <laughs> As evidenced by the videos. <laughs> and, and, and yet, Apple learned nothing from that in designing the Apple TV remote. That's oh, that true. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. The most lost remote on the planet, to be honest. Yeah. That thing is just, it's super thin and slick and just, yeah. like David Copperfield is Apple gone. TV. It is looks Apple great. TV still around? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, I just yeah. haven't had that. It used to be, th- like, we had Apple TV <laughs> a million years ago. But it was the world's tiniest controller, too. It was teeny yeah. tiny. So yeah. it was like if it went into the couch cushion, it didn't just go into the couch cushion. It then got behind the cushion, like into the innards of your couch. Like it could just like be yeah. gone. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked was great sweet. in product shots. Right. Not so great to use. No, not just so Just disappear. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Enough of that nonsense. Yes. What have you been driving, Nicole? I've been driving the 2024 Mazda CX-50. Okay, and the very first thing I have to address is the color. Did I talk about this live last week, or was it afterwards that we mentioned it? I think it it was afterwards. Okay, so I feel like every Mazda, if you're buying a Mazda in any color other than that beautiful, I forget what they call it, the soul red metallic. Soul soul crystal Crystal, red metallic. Soul crystal red metallic. Crystal soul red. The really bright red. It is the single best. It's beautiful. It's like my favorite paint color ever. 
this one is not that color. I didn't even realize. I looked out the window. I'm like, what is that? I'm like, oh, wait, that's a Mazda? What is that color? The color is called Zircon Sand Metallic. And Zircon Sand Metallic actually costs you an extra $450. It's brown. It's but brown. it's sand nope, and it's metallic. Brown. It is not. It's like this weird brownish, grayish, maybe I was trying to be army green, but I faded color. I don't like it. I, I, like, I was so disappointed. I didn't realize how vested I was in Mazda's being red until one in Zircon Sand Metallic ended up in my driveway. Don't well, I mean, you know, if, if you are, you know, trying to use it to, you know, be camouflaged and, you know, glide through the woods, you know, without being you, noticed. You would say, be stealthy and unnoticed. It would it would blend yeah. right in with the foliage. Yes. Yeah. Foliage. I was, I, I've seen happy. this color and, you know, it's not a color it, that I would ever buy. No, it's not. It's just not. It's not a great color. And just so anyway, that was my main gripe. The color. I don't like this. <laughs> color is important. What you look at every time you walk up to it, you got to look at Zircon Sand Metallic. But Zircon Sand. Zircon Sand. Metallic. Metallic. So last year, the CX-50 was new last year. So not much has changed because it was an all new for 2023. Um and they had us, I remember at the launch program, we actually did off-roading because they keep building this. In fact, if you go to the consumer site, you will see it billed as like the off-road ready Mazda CX-50, which, okay, yes, you can do some off-roading. And they had us drive on some just, you know, like packed dirt, you know, that you would have if you're on a Kind of like we did with the Hyundai Palisade? Uh, yes, exactly like what we did with the Hyundai Palisade. Like it's packed dirt. And they did have us go on a little... a, a an, it was an incline with that was a little bit rutted that had to work a little bit. Like, yeah, okay. Like, you couldn't take a Camry up it. That's my standard for, like, does your car really off-road? If you can take a Camry up it, you're just <laughs> messing around. If you can't, then you can off-road. You couldn't have taken a Camry up this. So it can off-road, but I feel like billing it as, like, the off-road Mazda is a little bit much. Like, because you're <laughs> it, not... <laughs> it looks off-roady. It's a it, looks little more, it looks more off-roady much. than any other Mazda. It does look more yeah. off-roady. And you can't... And it comes... You know, his standard all-wheel drive, and there's drive modes in there. And you... So you can... But, it, you know, you're not going over rocks in this. You know, it's not like heavy-duty off-roading. It is something you could take on more than just packed dirt like we did the Palisade. <laughs> but it's a step up from that. But I feel like it's a little bit of a... a not quite accurate. Like I, I feel like it's not that off-roady. It's, it's like a grocery getter. It's a grocery getter that you could also take to your cabin. And if it happened to pour rain and the road was rutted, the mud and the fine. dirt, you'd be okay. And if you had to go up a little hill, that was a little bit of a mess. It'd go spin, spin, and get you up to the top. It'd be okay. But I don't really spin, feel spin. like it's spin, spin. I don't <laughs> really the tires like can get a little grip. Oh well, yeah. They'll get a little grip. Spin, spin. So I don't feel like it's a truly off-road vehicle, but okay. So that also, but if you're just driving it around town, doing like Robbie said, using it as a grocery getter, it's great. Uh, it has, you know, it has that Mazda thing. It drives nicely. Mazda's, they, what's, it's not Zoom Zoom anymore. What is it? Driving Matters? Is that Mazda's? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I have the right one. Yeah. Um, Go back to Zoom Zoom. I know. They should that, kid, Zoom. that creepy little kid who just like stared at the camera. Zoom Zoom. Zoom. Bring him <laughs> back. I like the Zoom Zoom. I think oh, he's probably creepy. like 47 years old now. He's like, hey. How's it going? Zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Became a smoker. He sings in a top like, cover band. So, but I, it, it does do the Mazda thing where you expect where it's nice to drive. It, it's, it handles well. It's not a super sporty car. It's not like sports car, but it does have great handling. It does, you know, it's fun to take on the highway. It's got plenty of pep. There are two engines that you can get with this. 
there is a um, 2.5 liter. Two, I have two four. Yeah, and I they're both two, two fives. Two, five, two Yeah, I'm like, why did I write down two four? It's a two five two five four cylinder, one eighty seven horsepower, one hundred eighty seven six pound feet of torque. That's the base or a turbocharged version, two twenty seven horsepower, three hundred twenty pound feet of torque. Get that one. Get the one that has more pep, and that's the one that I drove, and I drove it in the very top trim, which is the premium plus. Technically, the trim level is. Ma- 2024 Mazda CX 52.5 Turbo Premium Plus. I'm surprised it fits in the space they have on the Monroney. Um, so I had the very top trim as this one with everything they had. And they did add on, it, actually, the only extra on this is the paint. It was 45125 And this is the very top trim, which is a lot. If you don't want all that, you don't care about the Peppier engine, the very base model is about 30, just over 30,000. So there's a $15,000 price spread there. So there's a lot of variance in Mazda and there's eight trims. There's a lot of choices. The eight trims is partly because you've got two different engines. So it's kind of like same trim, base engine, turbo engine. So that's really four trims and two engine choices. Yeah. So, so you have, I mean, so you still have a good number of choices. I would, I would Definitely go with the turbocharged engine just because I think it's more uh, more fun to drive. And that's a pretty big, you know, from 186 to 227 horsepower, that's or 187. That's a pretty big jump. So, you you know, you're going to feel the difference. Um, and it has the still the Mazda interior. Mazda does that. They're not really a luxury car, but they are a more upscale automaker. Their cars tend to go more premium. Um, even the base trims. I mean, you know, a base trim from a top trim that you'll see a difference. But I do feel like even in the base trim, you you never feel like it's too base. It never feels like you're really missing out on stuff. Maybe you don't have some of the fancier things or the heated seats or whatever. When you get up to this trim, though, for that 45, you get leather seats. And they have, I think they call it book, uh, book binding, book stitch, like that cross stitch kind of thing that goes down the center of the seats. And it's on the dashboard. And, there, you know, it's got leather everywhere and leather heated and ventilated front seats. There's a heated steering wheel. It's a really nice interior, and it's, the front seats are relatively heavily bolstered because, again, they're going for that sporty thing, so it's not so heavily bolstered that it's going to squish you or make you feel tight like a true sports car or some little, like, you know, hot hatch kind of deal. But it is bolstered enough to kind of make you feel like you're in a little sporty thing, kind of hold you in place. Uh, so I like that. Um, I don't like the the storage inside is weird. So it's, this is a, you know, a two-row SUV slash crossover. It's not huge. It's on the smaller side. But on the center console, you have a spot for your, you know, there's the cup holders and there's all the, you know, the gear and such. And then behind it, there's a little nice little slot that holds your cell phone again in sideways. So as you're doing the wireless charging, it'll stay put. It'll actually sit there and not slide around. But there's only a tiny little space to the front of those cup holders. I mean, I have a smallish women's wallet. It cannot, my wallet doesn't even fit in the carved out part of that. So it's very, very tiny. And it's, so there's not a lot, like if you've got anything in your hands that you're tossing into the car, you're putting it on the passenger seat because there's just no room for anything there. Um, And here's a weird thing that I noticed. So when you, when you put your phone and it angles in, you put your phone into a little charging thing and it holds it in place once you get it. But it is very persnickety about being in exactly the right spot. If it is off a quarter inch too far to the left, it won't charge. Like literally, and I'm like, well, and if I put it, it would only charge one way. 
I couldn't put it in either way. I had to mm-hmm. put it in only one way. And if Just I because yeah, of where the the charging it, receiver right, is on the phone so to line it up. Yeah, but I've it was it was harder. I've never. Like normally, like you kind of, I feel like I can just kind of toss it in. Oh, there you go, boom, and not pay much attention. This one, I was like, wait, nope. And you can see there's a tiny little light because it's sort of, you can't really see the foam when it's in there. It's sort of tucked at an angle. So it's almost coming underneath your armrest a little bit, the way they have it snugged in. You can't really see the phone to see if it's up, but there's a little, little, little teeny light. And light turns green. And it's like green, yellow, green, yellow, green, red, green. I'm like, what is happening? So I had to like move it, just a tiny little bit, then it's happy. It's a little so, disco. It's a little disco going on. World's tiniest disco. Tiniest little disco in the center console. So it was a little finicky with that, but once you get the sweet spot and you get used to it, then you can then you can get it to charge. But overall, I like it. I mean, it is pricey. I like how the top trims look in this. I feel like part of why you buy a Mazda is for that premium vibe, sort of. And if you want that premium vibe and really truly want it, you're spending forty five thousand dollars on a mid-size SUV small uh, SUV? no I would say it's a comp- I, mean, I mean I think they would classify it as a compact compact, um, yeah, I mean, okay. compact today is a lot bigger than compact was 15 years ago yeah but you know I mean this is the same size class as a Toyota RAV4 mm-hmm. Honda CRV Nissan Rogue Ford Escape um, Chevy Equinox you know they're all in this compact class that is you know pretty decent size I mean it's it's certainly big enough to hold four adults. Yeah. I feel like it shouldn't be called compact anymore. I think that whole yeah. thing is a lie. The compact, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Like everything yeah. grew bigger. Everything got bigger as the cars got bigger. <laughs> they just didn't change the name, but they kept the cars in that in that class. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I, would, I would say you know, relative to those competitors, you know, even at the the lower trim levels, you know, the CX fifty, like other Mazdas, has you know a nicer interior. You know, it, it feels more premium at, you know, similar price points. And the reality is when you price out, you know, those competitors, this isn't necessarily that much more expensive yeah. or, or even any more expensive. Yeah. You know, and especially like with the CX-50, I'm looking at the, the build and price site right now. The, the mm-hmm. base 2.5 S select trim, which starts at just over $30,000, that has all-wheel drive standard. So all-wheel drive is standard on the CX-50. You know, it's kind of kind of like Subaru. Uh, you know, this particular model, you know, it's all-wheel drive across the board. So there is no front front drive variant. Uh, so when you compare the pricing against the all-wheel drive versions of, you know, other other makes, it's actually pretty pretty fairly priced. Yeah, it's not bad. It's it's not cheap, but it's not bad. Like it's not yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, I- you know, everything new is not cheap. Yeah, mm-hmm. or at least not it. not inexpensive. <clears throat> Let me rephrase that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and to your comments on the the wireless charging, hopefully, you know, in the next year or two, we'll start to see uh, automakers start to put in Qi two wireless pads. So that's Qi two. I don't even know what this is. So the, what we up. have what we have right now is just the original Qi standard. Uh, that's the yeah. wi- the wireless charging standard. And, you know, you put it on the pad and hope to get it lined up right so it'll actually charge. G2 is based on Apple's MagSafe. So okay. the app, when Apple put wireless charging in their phones, they they came up, they added some magnets in the, uh, the charging uh, pad and some magnetic uh, material in the, the phone case itself so that it, when you put it on, it automatically aligns itself with the receiver. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And so you get better better charging. 
And, um, you know, Qi 2 is basically taking what Apple did with, with MagSafe on the iPhone and made it an industry standard um, and added, you know, some other upgrades, higher power, things like that. Uh, and Qi 2 based phones are just starting to come to market now. Um, and the, hopefully, you know, by next year, we'll start to see cars with Qi 2 pads in there. So it's got a magnet. So it actually holds it in place and keeps it aligned so that it'll oh, actually cool. charge. Yeah, that would make things nicer. Absolutely. I like this idea. It's okay. Yep. So we just have to wait for Qi 2 to come out. Yeah. Qi 2. So don't buy anything until you until it's available with right. G2, right? Just hold off on that car stop, for a little stop bit. Stop buying things. Yeah, the don't car buy and things. the phone. Hold yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> All your stuff, it's probably working right now. Just don't just don't buy new stuff. Yeah. All right. Um and Robbie, what do you got? I had the uh the Range Rover Villar. Villar Villar Villar. Villar, isn't it Villar? Yes, Villar. Vilar. Now, weird, I'm gonna re- now I'm going to read it as Vilar. Thanks, Vilar. Vilar. The Vilar. Oh, oh, oh! Update on the uh, Zoom Zoom kid. He's in his mid thirties. He's a lawyer now. Oh, okay. You actually Googled him? <laughs> yeah. Does he does he look like a burly lumberjack? No, probably not. If he's oh no, a it just looks like a like a like a. He's, it looks like he has a nice family, has a wife and a kid. Oh, okay. Good. I hope good everything deal. worked out for the Zoom Zoom kid. Uh, it looks like it did. I hope. I don't know. Um, life with Mazda was good for him then. Yeah, life with Mazda was good for him. Well, I mean, if you're a kid and you're an actor, you're going to go back to school and everyone's going to keep saying Zoom Zoom to you for the rest of your <laughs> school career. <laughs> Just sneak it up behind you, whispering in your ear, Zoom Zoom. You're like, this was not worth the $5,000 or whatever I got. <laughs> I know, right? Don't you hope you made – I hope you made a really good payday for being Zoom Zoom kid. I think they – you know, you get you get uh, residuals. So, so every time there's anymore, a commercial, well, yeah. Yeah, so for a few years, I think it probably helped pay for college and, you know, all the candy bars he could eat. Uh, oh, so anyway, so the, maybe he owns a Range Rover Velar. So I have the Range Rover Velar Dynamic SE. This is the uh, sort of not quite top of the line, sort of close to it, like second in line. It's a three liter uh, turbocharged uh, six cylinder uh, mild hybrid uh, system. It has uh, 395 pounds of torque, 405 pounds, oops, sorry, 395 horsepower, sorry, ignore that first number, uh, 405 <laughs> pounds of torque. It's got an eight-speed on max, it's got the little paddle shifty thingies that no one ever uses. Um, all-wheel drive, so that's nice as well. It's been raining like crazy here, so, you know, all-wheel drive is nice. This, we, we, we drove in, in and out of the city last night, and in both ways, there were multiple accidents. Oh, wow. Driving around on their summer tires or their tires they haven't fixed or driving too quickly. Slow down. Rain is, rain is it's slick. Yeah. <laughs> rain I don't is know. Slick. Especially when I don't you're know not used to, it. used to it. Especially when you're not used to it. And if you are used to it, still slick. There, you know, we hit, you know, you, you get a puddle somewhere, you get, a, you know, suddenly you're hydroplaning and now you're having a bad day. So slow down. Slow down. I don't, and yeah. and if you're somewhere where there's snow, like there has been here in in Michigan, oh, in here. also Jesus. slow down. Slow uh, yeah, down. Thir- Thursday, I had to go to uh, to Dearborn uh, for a briefing, and there was all kinds of cars off the road. Yeah, it's like just wow. just slow down. Yeah, you know, if down. if you if you end up sliding off the road, whether it's rain or snow or whatever it might be, you it's going to take you a lot longer to get to your destination than if you just slowed down yeah. a little bit to begin with. Yeah, yeah, just don't, don't, it's not a race, people. Yeah. 
Just get to where you need. You know what? Inside of your car, warm. Yeah. Heater. <laughs> get your little radio going or your podcast. You don't, you don't have to climb to. out into the snow. Get your feet all wet and, and all that stuff going on. Yeah. Slow down. I drove cross country in my '90 Honda Civic during a blizzard. Uh, we couldn't go faster than 25 because the wheels would spin. So we wow. just drove 25. There you go. Just you At one point, we had to stop and pee, so we just stopped in the middle of the road in the middle of nowhere and just peed <laughs> in the road. And we were probably about there was probably like I think it was with Micah Musio from Kelly Blue Book, and I think there was a few feet between us and the actual asphalt, <laughs> like snowy ice. And you know what we did? We just slowed down. We listened to a lot of uh, music and slowed down and talked. That's what you do. That's what we did. Better to get there safe than to not get there at all. Exactly. So slow down. Um, A Range Rover Velar Dynamic SE. Didn't have to slow down. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a maniac. (laughs) Just like a complete, complete jerk. Just running people off the road. No, no. It's uh, it's, so the, the Velar is a really pretty car. That's the that's that's the one. I'm not car SUV. Uh, it's a very uh, it's a beautiful SUV. I like the way it's very slick. It's got the you know it's it's almost like the, a precursor to the uh, the new Range Rover Sport, which is like just smooth. It's a very smooth vehicle. You get inside, it feels like you're in a very fancy uh, British library. Like one of those ones you see in the library, you know, when the British person goes to like uh, some sort of club with some old British people and like the the, the, the guy from South London goes there to tell them and he's in charge now. And they're like, oh, ho, ho, ho. so that's like sort of the, the deal. That's the that that club or that library. Um, it, it's got that that sort of feel. Um, it doesn't great get great gas mileage. 20 miles per gallon. I got it's yeah, 21 funny. is their EPA. I got 20 point like two. Um, I was mostly freeway driving a little bit of around town. Yeah, not great. Not great. But I mean, if you're if you're throwing down $70,000, you probably don't care. That's and that's the sort of uh, the starting price for this vehicle. The vehicle I was driving seventy eight thousand nine hundred thirty three dollars uh, because they had the cold climate pack, which I really need here for the fifty five degrees <laughs> in rain. <laughs> Where we, like one point, my wife and I were just the heater in the here's here's one thing: the heater in the floor is really good, but it thinks it's like if you if it's like fifty six outside and you set it to like six like sixty three, mm-hmm. it just turns the heater on. It's like, well, it's cold outside. Let me warm you up. <laughs> And so we kept just like turning the heater down, 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 down. Finally, we just rolled down the windows. <laughs> <laughs> so if you need a warm car, the Velar is your, if that's your jam. Um, uh, Land Rover has had this and, and Range Rover, their, their infotainment system for the last, I think, about 10 years. Whenever you make a change, it doesn't like do that. It doesn't like snap to the next thing. It does this sort of fade in or fade out to the next to the next thing and you're never sure if it's <laughs> if it's actually responding to what you tap if it's responding <laughs> or if it's it's it, it, it looks cool but at the same time you're like i just want to go to this thing and for years i was like well did they create that because the hardware wasn't quick enough so if we hit this but then you think about it like well no they have to do this whole fade thing which no one else is doing <laughs> so I guess it's responsive. You can, it's hard to tell. I guess. Yeah. I guess it's responsive because it still has to generate the fade. So it has to. It's doing something. So but it, yeah. Does the does the Velar that you have have the the newer infotainment system that's just a large touchscreen? It doesn't have any knobs on it anymore. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's got the large touchscreen, which is kind of a pain. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 again, I think we were all, we're all, the, uh, the, you know, the last time I drove the it had the old system on there that had, you know, a couple of knobs on it still. And it was a, it was a, a more wide screen and not, wasn't as tall, but it was wide. And yeah, you know, so yeah, no, no, yeah. trying to should... find buttons. This yeah. is, yeah. I, I, Everything. I, I suspect in this case, you know, cause it, this is running on, on a new hardware platform that has a lot more performance. It's probably a design decision that they made, you know, to don't want to rush anything, you know, just it's, nice and hey, graceful, hey, graceful transitions hey. from one mode to another. Yeah, yeah, everything's just like, oh, <laughs> there should be like a little, oh, every time you do something, because that's what it feels like. You're like, oh, they're, you're like, they're, hey, they're using that Qualcomm hey. Snapdragon processor to, to do these That'll really do. cool animations. And, and, and that's in, the thing is they're not, they're not like over, you know, uh, like the Hummer. That's where you're just like, you, you push the oh, mode. Like and a little video. Like the car <laughs> drives through like a wall. There's an yeah. explosion. It's very dramatic. Yeah. It's very dramatic. Entertainment. You push it. It like takes like a few moments for it to render that. It's not like immediate. Whereas with the Range Rover, you push it. It does just a nice little fade in and out. It's very, I, I, to be honest, I prefer to Range Rovers what Range Rovers doing. <laughs> the other thing is like, well, this is cool. If I were, I don't know, if I, had a, if I were a 13 year old, it was like, I just finished a game of Fortnite and I'm going to go drive my Hummer. And every time oh. I change the mode, I want some things to explode. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, not, that's really not what I need I in mean, a car. If you're, if you're selecting a Hummer over literally anything else, kind of, I mean, nothing that's personal to anybody out there. Yeah. You know, you, Kind of have that mentality, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's your jam. You yeah. know what? If you're if you're buying it, you're, that's your jam. I hope so. I hope you didn't right. buy it. You're like, oh man, this sucks. <laughs> like everything, you, you're cool with everything else being over the top, but that is like no. That's, <laughs> that's too that's much. Where you're like, oh, I made a one, mistake. One step too far. <laughs> yeah, the Valar is the opposite. It's the anti uh, the anti Hummer. It's it's not over the top. It's very you know, so almost sort of subdued. Uh, just kind of a chill. It's very comfortable. We drove it around. It drives fine. It drives nice. It's you know, it's got the 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 adequate uh, luxury feel. Um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a, you know, it's different from what you're going to get from, if you're looking for something that is not a BMW, it's not a Mercedes, it's not a Lincoln, it's not, you know, it's, it's, you know, you want to be a little bit different than you have the Range Rover Velar. Um, I, it's, it's sort of in a weird spot. It's like the, uh, the QX60 where it's, it's not quite the biggest one, not quite the smallest one. It's just, it's Goldilocks. It's a Goldilocks vehicle. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I see them around, so I know they're selling them. Um, but it's like, oh, I want a Range Rover, I want a Land Rover, but I'm not crazy. I don't want a Defender. I don't want. Don't look at me. <laughs> I want to be cool, but I also want to be. A, I also just like, hey, I'm the Zoom Zoom kid. I had enough. I'm the Zoom Zoom kid. <laughs> I, I, I made my residuals on the on the commercials. Now I want to, you know, spend some of it on a nice SUV to haul my kid around. When you notice it, you're like, oh, this is really nice. But when you don't, you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> These don't bother me. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, I, I, I dug the, uh, well, the Velar. Spe- speaking of don't bother me, yeah, I've, I've got the build and price site up right now. There's nine color options for the Velar. Mm-hmm. Three of them are grays. Let's see. There's uh, <laughs> Arios gray, Carpathian gray, Zadar gray. Uh, there's also the Hakuba silver. So that's 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 four in grays and silvers. Then there's Fuji white and Ostuni pearl white. So that's uh, 
Oh, sorry, eight. There's eight colors, not nine. So that's that's seven right there. There's a black Santorini black, and then the only one that is nominally non-monochromatic is the Veracine blue. That's which, what I had. If you if you look at it, I mean, at least the pictures. I don't, I don't know how it looks in real life, but the pictures look more gray than blue. I don't. It does even, look more. I don't even I see a hint of blue in this. It is. It is pretty blue. It's pretty. I mean, it's pretty gray. It's like yeah. it's it's it, gray, and then they showed it a blue crayon, and they're like, "Ooh, very seen blue." <laughs> like there's a there's a crayon hidden somewhere in the car. Four, somewhere in four, the vehicle is a is a crayon. Four grays, a silver, two whites, and a black. Yeah, it, it it is very much the like, hey, 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 chill out, man. <laughs> I would I would like to see a Valar in Soul Crystal Red. Right? Oh, yeah. that'd be amazing. That would be yeah, beautiful. Would... One one thing I did, you know what I do you know what's weird is that when you close you know how you you, you have the automatic rear door tailgate? Mm-hmm. And there's two buttons. There's one button that just closes it and there's one button that closes it and locks it. It doesn't have the lock button. So does I have to just, like. Does it just automatically close every time, or or lock no, you, every you, time? I mean, no, you just close it, and then you have to lock it with the key. So that's kind of a. Oh, oh okay. come on, get that's together. I I need that way more than I need puddle lights. Yeah, because you just you know the puddle light. Oh, there's there's a puddle. I I'm gonna step in anyway. So uh, yeah. I can't, I'm not gonna can't avoid it. So yeah, I'm like well now at least now I'm now I'm ready. <laughs> I've, I've, I guess if I have a sack in the car, I can tie it around my feet. <laughs> Some sort of plastic <laughs> sack. Um, yeah, Range Rover Velar. Uh, again, it's uh, I like the the center console is because it's just like once you close that little where you put your phone, mm-hmm. it's just a nice like piece of wood that goes from. I don't know. It's just it's just very. It's a very calming vehicle. It's like hey, hey. It's like a. It's like a like a. Don't get excited. Emotional. It's we're an gonna emotional. Get, we're gonna get you wherever you need to go. In yeah, due time. It's, a, it's an emotional comfort animal. Of a vehicle. There you go. It's just kind of like, hey, settle down. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> hey, you had a hard day at work. It's okay. It's okay. Just come, just get inside. Come on. We got you covered. We're gonna. We're gonna you, you need to be warm because we'll make you warm. I'm the Velar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ranger or Velar. You want to be chill. You don't want to be crazy like you would. I guess in a X5 M or whatever. The Velar. How, how much was it? Uh, it was. I'm sorry. Let me look. Uh, with all the. That? <clears throat> it was all crazy. The, um, all the stuff, uh, $79,933. So 80000 which includes the, uh, you know, $1,100 cold, cold climate pack. Uh, the $2,600 21-inch wheels. Don't get the big wheels. Uh, head, <laughs> heads up display was 1000 The color, if you can call it that, uh, $950 and then some other stuff. Roof exterior blah blah bunch of veneer emergency pack i don't know i guess if you ever have an emergency uh yeah it starts at 70 but you can you know like all luxury vehicles you can you can kick it up pretty quickly to uh to another ten thousand. so seven nine thousand. okay what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Okay. Well, I also had uh, a little um, crossover SUV-ish thing that is designed to look more rugged and capable than it actually really is. Uh, and that is the uh, the Chevrolet Trailblazer, 2024 Chevrolet Trailblazer. So, you know, Chevy's got two two of these small crossovers now, um, the Trax and, and the Trailblazer. And actually, when they redesigned the Trax last year, it went from being smaller than the Trailblazer to actually being longer than the Trailblazer, although the Trailblazer's taller and I think slight, ever so slightly wider. Um, the Trax is only available in front-wheel drive. The Trailblazer can be had in front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. Uh, I had the all-wheel drive active trim. So there's LS, Ooh. LT, active, Ooh. and RS. The RS is the sporty. The active is... They left, they left the E off the end of active. Like, they put uh, every letter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if if they if they had put the E on there, they wouldn't be able to trademark it. So I, by, by creating a new uh, variation of the word, they can get a trademark on active. But they didn't need the I. <laughs> It's because active without the. Maybe they did. Maybe somebody's already trademarked or just active. Could be. Are, you, are you sure it's active and not act four? That is a possibility. Although <laughs> you can get the act four in front wheel drive. So it hmm. doesn't, doesn't make as much sense. But, hmm. um, <laughs> uh, you know, for the, you know, the powertrains, same, same engines that you can get in the, uh, in the tracks. So it's the, uh, Two variations of the little three-cylinder, a 1.2-liter turbo or a 1.3-liter turbo. The active comes with the uh, the 1.3-liter. If you get a front-wheel drive Trailblazer, you can get either engine. Either engine comes with a CVT. If you get all-wheel drive, then you get a nine-speed automatic, which is a oh. much better choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, although the CVT is not bad. In the in the in the tracks, I haven't driven the Trailblazer with it, but I mean it's basically the same vehicle. Um, the CVT is not bad in there, but but you know if you if you don't if you really don't like CVTs, then get the all-wheel drive, and then you get a nine-speed automatic. Um, the the front-wheel drive Trailblazer LS starts at twenty-four three ninety-five, which is actually pretty reasonable. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's that's not a bad price at all. You know uh, you know so you get. A vehicle that's got adequate seating for you know adequate room for four adults. You know the back seat is big enough, and because it's a little bit taller than the tracks, you know you can actually you know I set you know I'm like five ten five eleven depending on what time of day it is. Um, you know I set the seat for for my height. I get in the back seat. I've got plenty of leg and knee room. I've got several inches of of gap to the the front seat, um, and lots of headroom. You know and uh, so, you know, two adults in the back seat, not a problem at all. Unlike, say, at least the first generation Hyundai Kona, uh, which was very tight in the back seat. So 
you can have, you know, four adults in here, not a problem at all. Um, I like the design of the, uh, the trailblazer. It's, you know, it's got that kind of little mini SUV, you know, kind of rugged look to it, you know, especially the active, uh, but even, even the other trims, you know, it, it's got a nice purposeful proportion to it. Um, and I was at something else um, earlier this week um, that we'll talk about next week, but talking with, you know, or listening to a Chevy designer talking about how they design their vehicles, Chevrolet's got kind of this, what they consider the spectrum of design across Chevrolet vehicles from velocity to strength. And one of the things you'll notice, if you look at Chevy vehicles, depending on kind of what market their segment they're targeted at, the stuff that is at the velocity end of that spectrum, like the cars, the Corvette, Camaro, uh, even Malibu, and and also the tracks and the Equinox EV, they all have round wheel arches and they tend to have a sleeker front end. And then at the opposite end of the spectrum, the strengths end of the spectrum, that's where you get your trucks and your SUVs, you know, the more rugged looking vehicles. And they have, um, you know, more upright front fascias uh, and the the wheel arches are more squared off, kind of like you know if you if you not as not to the extreme anymore that they were back in the seventies. If you look at Chevy CK pickups from the nineteen seventies, they had very square wheel arches, yeah. And so you still have some of that in there. It's not completely round like it is on the velocity end of the spectrum. And the Trailblazer is clearly targeted, you know, at least for people who want to look like they can go, you know more off-road uh you know this is clearly not really like the cx50 you know it's more yeah. of a off-road visual an off-road aesthetic than truly off-road capability but with the active you do get you know all-terrain tires um one reason why especially here in michigan why i would if i was choosing i would choose the the active over the rs if you want you know high-end trim level is the rs is on 19 inch alloy wheels with lower profile tires. The the active is on 17s with a little bit taller sidewall, which is great for Michigan roads. Um, you know, we drove the the uh, the Trailblazer yesterday from our home in Ypsilanti up to uh, Pontiac. You know, about an hour in each direction. You know, not ideal weather conditions this time of year, and it was it was fine. You know, it it it, it handles the roads fine. It handles uh, nasty weather fine. You know, it's not something you're going to want to take, you know, into the deep woods, you know, because it just it doesn't have the ground clearance for that. Um, but, you know, w- with all wheel drive, you know, it can handle, you know, anything, you know, normal driving conditions, you know, even worse kind of weather conditions. So it's it's good in that respect. Uh, last year, it did get um, a mid-cycle refresh. So it got a slightly revised front front end. Uh, you know, slightly different headlights and, and grill and everything. And then the interior, uh, they made a big update to the interior. So it's got the same kind of interior theme that we're seeing on all the other recent Chevy introductions um, where the, the touchscreen is no longer embedded in the center stack. Uh, they've got this this look uh, like you have on the um, the EVs uh, and like on the Blazer and the, the Equinox EV and the Silverado EV and also the Trax and, um, and other stuff where uh, it's kind of two, an over, slightly overlapping screen. So you've have, you have an 11-inch digital instrument cluster directly in front of the driver and then 
slightly behind that and, and over you know overlapped slightly an 11 inch center touchscreen which is tilted slightly towards the driver it's it's an attractive look it's functional and it works well um and you know like other chevys it still has physical controls for climate control so you're not putting that stuff into the touchscreen which is a good thing yay um and uh yeah, you know, there's a decent amount of cargo space in the back. So, you know, it's if you if you want something that has a little bit more of that rugged look um and also offers all-wheel drive compared to the tracks, you know, then the the Trailblazer's a, a good choice. Um the uh, the 1.3 liter turbo uh let me find that tab here again. The 1.3 liter turbo is um uh, 155 horsepower. Um, and, uh, 174 foot pounds of torque, which is, you know, for a vehicle, the size is actually really good. You know, it's got more than enough performance, you know, for any type of driving you're going to do even the 1.2 liter, 137 horsepower, 162 foot pounds of torque. Um, it's been a while since I drove one of those, but you know, that's still a decent amount of, of performance. So, you know, performance is not going to be an issue. It's not, a, this is not a sports car, uh, you know, by any means, <laughs> but you know, it will, it will provide the acceleration you need to safely merge onto the highway or, you know, do whatever you need to do. Um, so I, you know, I, I kind of like this car. Um, you know, I like the size of it, you know, it's got a reasonably small footprint, so it's fairly easy to park, uh, you know, if you live in the city. So, you know, it's a good size for, you know, for urban driving. Uh, you know, so if you've got combination of, uh, urban driving and and nasty potholes, um, you know, then this is this is a, a good combination to have. Um as I said the the base model starts around uh, a little over 24 grand. Um the one that I have, the active, which was loaded up with lots of options. Uh so it was all wheel drive. Grand total of thirty four thousand six hundred and seventy bucks, which is a bit on the pricey side. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and there's you know, there's some options in here that you could certainly forego, uh, you know, $1,500 dual pane panoramic sunroof, you know, you know, that's, that's something you could, you could probably go without. Um, there's the, uh, driver confidence package, uh, for 400 bucks, which is rear cross traffic alert, uh, um, rear park assist and, uh, lane change alert with, um, with blind spot monitoring. That's actually a good one to, to have in there. Uh, that's something I would prefer that they, would bundle into the base price, you know, make that standard. But, yeah, I feel know, like that should be base at this point. Yeah, for for four hundred bucks, it's it's not it's not too ridiculously expensive. Thousand bucks for the uh, package with adaptive cruise control and the Bose premium sound system. Um, Six hundred bucks for the winter summer floor mat package. Uh, what? That's that's a little. <laughs> How much on was my side? Six hundred bucks. Five hundred ninety-five dollars. Oh Those sensors that keep you from ramming into things. Four hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> but but little carpets. Six hundred. Six hundred. Well, well, they are nice rubber floor little, mats. Yeah. You know. Little rugs. Little rubber rugs that you get from WeatherTech yeah. for mu- for a lot less. Yeah. So bucks. you might want to shop elsewhere for your for your floor mats. But uh, yeah, and then twelve hundred dollars for the convenience package, hands-free lift gate. Uh, which one thing they did nice on that. Um. You know, I don't think this one has puddle lamps, but it does have like the equivalent of a puddle lamp where it projects the Chevy Bowtie logo on the floor where Cute. you're supposed to kick in order to open the lift gate hands-free. Um, although, you know, you know, it's not that hard to open the lift gate by yourself. <laughs> yeah. WeatherTech, um, uh, first and second row, $109. Yeah, there, there you <laughs> there go. There you go. 
And well, you're looking at the show. There you yeah, go. There you go. Um, so you know, you the the active you know is the active all wheel drives twenty eight seven. Um, you know, and so depending on how aggressive you are with the option sheet, you know, you could you could probably get a pretty nice active you know out the door for about thirty thousand dollars. Um, and uh, do you want to guess on the destination charge? Oh, twelve hundred. Oh, I was going to say eight ninety five. I was going to go on the short side. Okay, uh, Robbie wins twelve ninety five. Oh, there you go. You could have gone twelve oh one, and you would have had gone twelve oh one. I could have. I could have. That's how it came to my head. That's what came to my head. Or one dollar. So I just went with it. The the only thing that is slightly disappointing, you know, given that this is a you know relatively small vehicle, fuel economy is not great. Uh, uh -oh. It's, you know, it's EPA rated at 26 city, 29 highway, 27 combined. And I'm averaging right around 27 um, with mostly highway driving. Uh, now, granted, it's also very cold. Uh, and, you know, there's been a fair, fair amount of it has been, you know, snow and slush and everything, um, which does which does degrade from it. So I could probably, you know, in, in better weather conditions, I could probably get closer to that 29 or all around. Um, so for this size of vehicle, you know, with a relatively small engine, it's not spectacular fuel economy. My wife's seven-year-old Honda Civic is still getting about 34 miles per gallon. Uh, so, you know, that's that's something to consider when you have a, you know, slightly taller vehicle like this with more, you know, all-terrain style tires on it You're and all-wheel drive. You are going to give up some. It's going to cost you more in fuel. But other than that, you know, it is it is. Genuinely, you know, quite quite a nice vehicle. I I do like I do like it. You know, it's it doesn't have you know the really high end material feel of the Mazda, uh, of any Mazda for that matter. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it the text the the materials you know even where it's hard plastics are nicely textured. You know, it looks it looks good. It doesn't look cheap, uh, and especially with the uh, the interior redesign they did last year, it definitely looks has a more premium look to it than it did before. And it's, it's quite functional as well. So good stuff. That's the uh, 2024 Chevy trailblazer, all wheel drive active. Active. Uh, okay. Let's get into some of the stuff happening this week. Um, Stellantis uh, dropped a teaser image uh, and a little teaser video which doesn't really show you much of anything but they do sh they did this drop a teaser a image bee. yeah <laughs> you know um, as you do uh, of the bee. uh the jeep wagoneer s um and at least for now it appears they're sticking with that name when they first showed this as a concept about a year and a half ago they said yeah you know this probably won't be the name for production maybe it will be you know they're still calling it the wagoneer s they haven't given it a different name um so this is the the what may well be the first uh, battery electric uh, Jeep for North America at least. There's the, the Avenger in Europe, um, and it's a you know front end view with the the lit up grill. Um, at least from the front, it doesn't look like it has changed notably from the concept, mm -hmm. which uh, looked like it was more uh, Grand Cherokee size than Wagoneer size, which is probably a good thing. Any thoughts on this? It looks I mean, it's, fine. I mean, it, I mean there's yeah. not a lot of detail there. I mean, it's just yeah. it, and they got some new lights. Let's listen. If the lights. LED, have, the yes. LED people in the world are doing great. I mean, there yes. are fancy lights on the. If front you're in the there. LED business, fancy light. You're doing good. If you're in, 
Yeah, you're doing outstanding. LED suppliers, well played. <laughs> Nicely done, gentlemen. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, there, there are a couple of technical details. Um, it will have 600 horsepower, zero to 60 time of three and a half seconds. So that that puts it, you know, in the performance ballpark with the uh, the now defunct uh, Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. Um, but why? I, I I know every. We don't need fast giant SUVs. Or quick. We don't need quick giant SUVs. Just settle down, everybody. Do, haven't they? Am I wrong? Have they announced the Wrangler officially as a as an electric? Um, the, in the, uh, in the UAW contract agreement, um, they, they had, uh, they, you know, they listed a bunch of factories and products that they're going to be getting over the next, over the course of the contract. And the Wrangler Bev is scheduled for 2026 in Toledo. Oh, so it's a ways away. Yeah. But they do. They also have the Jeep recon. What's the the recon? The recon is that other concept that they showed. So it's kind of Wrangler sized. But um, that's what I'm thinking with, of. You just yeah, nailed. That's with, exactly what I'm thinking of. I'm like, yeah. what think? Okay. It's a four door Wrangler sized vehicle. Still going to have removable doors, but more shifts more in the direction of Bronco. You know, so yeah, it's like a baby Bronco. That's totally what I was thinking of, Sam. Not the Wrangler. Wrangler. You're right. I'm like, there was yeah. another one. Okay, is that one coming? That's after this as well, though. Uh, it's not clear what the time the timing, timing sequence is. Okay. Uh, they should be. They, they should both be coming out sometime this year. Pretty close. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. both this yeah. year. So okay. the Wagoneer S comes out in the fall. Uh, it'll be one of the first vehicles on the new um, Stella Large platform, which we'll get more into in a minute. But 600 horsepower from dual motor setup and three and a half seconds, zero to 60, which is a lot. Uh, Why? Why? I, Slow down. No, stop it. Everyone stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. We're not... It's... Robbie has had enough people. Stop. I've had enough. I've had quite enough of you and their giant machines that go incredibly too fast for being a giant machine. It's an SUV. It doesn't know to go for five (laughs) seconds. Just just tossing children around in the back seat like a crazy person. Look what I can do. (laughs) That's what you're doing with your Jeep Wagoneer S in insanity. Sorry. Carry on. No, you're you're absolutely right. I, I agree with you 110%. Um, you know, we, we have, we have, the industry has conclusively proven that yes, EVs can be faster than internal combustion vehicles. Mm -hmm. They can certainly accelerate faster. Okay. You made your point. Let's move on and have something (laughs) more reasonable. Yeah. We we don't, we don't need, we we don't need these vehicles that that go this stupidly fast because the reality is humans cannot handle this kind of speed. It's not, yeah, we're, uh, your average person does, should not be going 0 to 16, 3.5 seconds in anything, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I, I, I'm, I'm certainly sorry. Certainly not on public roads. Certainly not on public roads. And I'm sorry, but, you know, even before I started doing this job, there was no reason for me to ever do all that fast because I just didn't have the chops behind right. the wheel. I was yeah. a pretty well, good so driver, but as soon as I started doing this job, I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> well, realistically, when is there ever an opportunity to really take advantage, truly, honest to goodnessly, take advantage of all of that power? It, you're on a highway and you floor it, you get that for two seconds. It, it's three you're seconds. You're behind and, someone. Right? I did it. It's, it's not, you have to be on a track somewhere, and who's doing that? Like, us, you know what I mean? In a wagon here. I mean, that, that wagon here, Yeah. That that level of power, you know, actually, or at least the the torque that's associated with it, could be useful if you are towing, you know, towing a heavy yeah, load. That's true. But 
Yeah. You know, then you're that's also me problematic. And... That's also a prob- problematic with an EV, which we'll yeah. also get to in a, in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you don't need this kind of performance, you know, no matter what Elon Musk tells you, you know, we, you should, yeah, that's, that's should, where should, it started. Manufacturers we... should not be selling this kind of performance to consumers. It's just, yeah. it's just irresponsible. Yeah. It's going to get bad at some yeah. point, especially in cities and people are trying to go from green light to green light. Um, but interestingly, they are retaining the, the four by E branding. So, you know, in the, you know, like two and a half paragraphs that they have here about it. Yeah. I said <laughs> offered exclusively as a BEV, the battery electric vehicle, the Wagoneer S offers standard four by E capability. So uh, it sounds like, you know, four by E is going to be the branding that they use for any four wheel drive that has some degree of electric propulsion. So we've already seen it on the plug-in hybrid Wrangler and, and Grand Cherokee. It's apparently also going to be used on the battery electric vehicles as well. Cool. Yeah. So when you're driving, because if you're, like I saw uh, Rubicon, it was all white, it's all Rubicon. Yeah. And then I saw the little blue, little toe. <laughs> then I'm like, oh, it's a 4 by e and it's a drove by and a little, you know, 4 by e in the back. I was like, oh, I should tell Nicole she has a friend. <laughs> oh, just one. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I feel. I mean, it's in the. It's the Lance. That's it. That's their. That's that's their. The surprise runaway hit is their four by e. So right. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, oh, people want this. Oh gosh, we didn't realize. It's like the Maverick. They're like, oh, well, well, people want a small know, truck that doesn't cost seventy thousand dollars. That's crazy. One, one one thing to keep in mind on the the Jeep four by e side on the plug in hybrids is you know it it it's unclear as to how much of it is actually consumer demand versus you know what jeep is actually willing to give consumers uh because in a lot of states uh like the, the california and the other states that follow their zero emission vehicle uh requirements um jeep is only allowing dealers to stock the four by to order four stock four by ease so you know if you're in california oh. or colorado or washington um and you know dealers you know they they order vehicles that don't have a customer associated with them yet you know that's for their inventory jeep is only allowing them to order the 4 by e versions um if a customer so if you wants, want a regular jeep you got to like yeah, order if a customer wants a pentastar or just a 2 liter turbo or a 392 they can order it in those states but it won't be available out of dealer inventory um, it so, seems like a weird thing though. People would be like, "I need a Jeep." Well, here's a plug-in hybrid. They're like, ah, good enough, and they just walk. Out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, sure, fine, whatever. You know, I'll take it. It's, whatever. It's, it's the you know, aside from the 392, <laughs> this is the most powerful Wrangler you can get. Oh, okay, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. You can plug uh, it in, drive around for 20 miles, not not yeah. use like not use gas. They're like, wait, what? You can be quiet. You can sneak up on deer. You can be stealthy. Yeah, sneak up on deer. So. The, the platform that's going to be underneath the uh, the Wagoneer S is one of four EV platforms that uh, Stellantis is developing. There's the Stella Small, which is the one that they use in Europe uh, for a number of vehicles, including that, that Renegade. Um, there's Stella Mid and Stella Large. And then there's also the Stella Frame, which is what they're using for the, the Ram 1500 Rev and the Ram Charger. The Stella Large is their largest sort of mainstream unibody architecture. And um, there, I guess earlier this week, there was uh, a media roundtable um, that um, Elisa Prittle from Motor Trend participated in. And um, Carlos Tavares, the CEO of Stellantis, dropped some, some new information in there 
there's been some speculation for a while that the Dodge Charger would also be available, you know, because they showed that Charger concept in 2022 as, you know, the Dodge Charger SRT, uh, or Dodge Charger Daytona SRT uh, as a, you know, really high-end um, battery electric coupe. Uh, but uh, they didn't, um, you know, they, they, they haven't revealed much other detail and there's been some speculation that they would also offer it with internal combustion engines. Well, they they finally convert, confirmed during this roundtable that the Stella Large platform is designed to accommodate both um, hybrid and uh, battery electric um, propulsion systems. So it's it it sounds like there will be at least a hybrid version, um, into hybrid internal combustion version of the Charger, um, and most likely using the uh, the hurricane uh twin turbo inline six um as the uh, as the engine there um and any any thoughts on this you've seen the uh, the the images that they showed of the one of the first pre-production uh chargers uh out of the assembly plant haven't you yeah it looks cool yeah i mean it basically looks ex- almost exactly the same as the concept yeah good job <laughs> Good job with that. That's a, you know, like, hey, we made it. The concept looks cool. Awesome. Here's the car. And you're like, boo. I, you know, just <laughs> if you make an awesome concept, just figure, you know, you know, without well, while still following like safety regulations, blah, blah, blah. But you <laughs> should be thinking about that. See, you know, start thinking about that while you're making the concept. How's that? How about you're like, oh, you know, we can't have the concept have spikes in the front because we're not going to be allowed to have spikes in the front when the car comes to the market. Yeah. Yeah. You probably won't. Or, or, you it know, really sharp cool, edges but... everywhere. Yeah, super sharp edges. Like, so it drives by, just slices a leg off. You're like, <laughs> no, no, that's not. No, come on. Come on. Come on. And, and, and I think it'll keep the charger people happy because they'll still get to go, brum, you know, yeah. when they are when they get on the, the, the freeway entrance near my house. That's literally all I hear all day is chargers. Brum. Chargers. <laughs> I mean, like, come on, guys. Hellcats. Come on. Hellcats yeah. everywhere. Hellcats is Hellcats silly with hell. Hellcats everywhere. My neighborhood is 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 Hellcats and EVs. It's just You're silly <laughs> with Hellcats. <laughs> silly with Hellcats. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of trucks. Like, and you know, well, I think every suburb is just silly with trucks as well. Um, that don't ever haul anything. But there are some. You know, there's some people on the edge of town that like they have horses and. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of ranches up here. I think people realize Northern California is pretty. A lot, a lot, a lot of agriculture. I thought all they had in California is EVs. I mean, people drive other cars. Shock. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's 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 bonkers. It's weird. Um, but you know, you drive by a house and you'll see like a big F one fifty, all dirty and uh, like uh, uh uh you know with 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 a with a horse trailer and so I think and then a Maki. So that's that's <laughs> they balance. <laughs> I literally saw that the other day. I was like, like oh, this, this Maki pulled into this like house, and there were like horses, and so. But, you know, but there's also like a big F-150 right. and a big horse trailer. And I'm like, well, they figured it out. <laughs> They're <laughs> driving around their Maki all day, like taking care of stuff. And then when they have to take the horses somewhere or the, the cattle or, I don't know, some you know the, the soccer team, I guess, just throw them in the horse trailer. There's a lot of them. Um, they can <laughs> do it with fine. the F-150. Yeah. Put some lawn chairs back there. You know. Right. Lawn chairs. Like my, They'll be good. Yeah. My uncle has a ranch. He has a F two fifty, and then my other cousin. No, he's my uncle as well. Sorry, uh, he he works at a Mercedes dealer. He uh, Honda Odyssey because he has kids. I'm like, you see, that's there the you right go. decision. He's like, yes. it's great. It's a great car. So, 
very proud of the family and, and their decisions. I'm glad yeah. that they're living there. All of them, all of them live in Northern California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we got to, we got to, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> so be- between now and 2026, there's going to be eight vehicles launched off of the Stella large platform, starting with the Charger um, and also the Wagoneer S um, and then presumably some Chrysler vehicles at some point. There's also going to be uh, um, Alfa Romeo and Maserati vehicles that are using this. Uh, so the the replacement for the Julia and the Stelvio um, will will probably be built off of or actually no actually those those will probably be off the Stella Mid. There, there's there's a, a larger Alfa Romeo SUV coming that'll probably be off this this platform, um, and uh, there it's also they're going to have versions with both 400 and 800 volt electrical systems. The 400 volt is going to launch first, that followed by the 800 volt, and that'll be like the the replacement for the Hellcat. You know, with with the you know, the, the big big motors um, up to uh, it can accommodate battery packs up to 118 kilowatt hours, uh, 500 miles of range. Um, so it's uh, you know should be some good stuff coming. Um, and Mini van Pacifica EV Pacifica, yeah, 800 volt EV Pacifica. Yeah, there that's the jam. That's with the six, jam right with there. 600 that's horsepower, zero to 63 and a half seconds. I don't need. I don't need that much. Because they're saying fast. it's going to be 400 volts first. My so dogs are going to be all flopped and about in the back of this minivan. Now I don't need that much power. <laughs> I just need to get from here to here with my dog. Like especially if you're hauling things. Like the last thing you want is like an insane zero to sixty time. You're like, oh, everything just like fell maniac. over. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's yeah, a mess in the trunk okay. now. Your, your Daft Punk helmets just got crushed by a exactly. fire. I I can't tell you how many Pacifica minivans. Well, they are the what are they called the Voyager. That's the yeah, yeah. the Voyagers the the. the base the, version the, like yeah the, the rental uh, only version i think the rental, rental only version yeah, yeah. They're, they're filled with like random gear and i'm like don't go fast don't go fast don't go fast don't go <laughs> don't take slow down slow down slow down um all right there's there was also another ev announcement that came out of stellantis this week um they've they're finally starting to offer the promaster ev from ram um which is uh, a big electric cargo van so you can you now have uh, a second or technically yeah technically at least a second choice that for consumers. Um, I mean it's mostly intended for fleets, but right. um, you know they've they've had a version of this. You know the the ProMaster is based on the Fiat Ducato, and they've been selling the electric version in Europe for a couple of years, uh, and now it's finally available here with uh, 160 mile range, um, which is uh, quite a bit better than the. Uh, um Ford uh, e-transit um and similar i think to what the uh, the Rivian van uh I saw quite a few of those yesterday um uh, the Rivian electric vans uh coming out of an Amazon warehouse Oh that's right is that the yeah. big are they just doing Rivians 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 is that Amazon's only uh, No doing- no um Amazon has also placed orders for Promaster EVs uh e-transits and um uh Mercedes uh, e-sprinters so they so, have a little bit of everything. Yeah, the the only one that I haven't heard them place any orders for is the Bright Drop uh, from GM. Um, mm. I wonder but, why. But uh, you know, depending on depending on what you need, uh, you know, for fleets, they're they're offering the ProMaster EV with um, either 50 kilowatt, 85 kilowatt, 125 kilowatt, uh, or 150 kilowatt charging, depending on on the needs of your fleet, um, and 11 kilowatt AC charging. Um, and you know this is a this is a pretty big van. 
524 cubic feet of cargo space. Yeah, that's a lot. So I, a, a few, probably five or six years ago, I helped my daughter move um, and we fit her entire apartment into a ProMaster. Into no a tall, kidding. Tall, a tall body, um, <clears throat> tall roof, a high roof, long body uh, ProMaster. And it the, the entire thing fit in there. No problem at all. So, That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, did, that, yeah, did that all in one load. And I think people are like, oh, my God, there's 162 miles range. This is for driving around. This is for, like, local deliveries, local, right. you know, thing. You're plumbers. Not, uh, yeah. You know, plumber, all kinds of stuff like that. Like, if a plumber, like, we, we're looking to do some some work on the house. And we're like, well, the person moved, like, 20 miles away. But they still might come to your town and do work. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like oh no, <laughs> like there's a good guy, but he like he moved like three towns over, so you might need to talk to him to see if he'll come back to your town to do the right because it only goes so far. They charge you extra. A lot of these guys, yeah, they're like, well, we I work here. This is where there's there's more than enough yeah. work for me to work in this one town, and maybe the next town over, but two towns over, that's getting yeah, crazy. It, you know, like the, <sighs> the E Transit's rated at I think 126 miles. You know, and Ford, you know, has said you know from the data that they collect from the you know, telematics service that they provide for fleets, you know, average daily use, you know, is less, you know, it's like 70 miles. Yeah. So, so they're well within that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's not, uh, you know, what none of these guys have said is, you know, for that 126 miles or 160 miles, you know, how much of a load are they carrying when they mm -hmm. do that range? That's true. Yeah. You know, but still, you know, at, most of these are not operating at highway speeds most of the time. You know, they're generally operating for, you know, city speeds, you know, right. 25, 25 to 40 miles an hour. So it's not going to be as huge a difference. And, you know, because unlike a trailer, you know, where aerodynamics have a big effect, when everything is inside the van, you know, the payload has some effect, but it's not as huge as the effect, the, the aerodynamic drag of a giant right. trailer. So, yeah. So yeah. now, now you have the option of, uh, of a Ram so Promaster EV, if you want to build uh, build your next camper or something like that. <laughs> so many vans! I'm gonna go buy the drive the e spinner in a few weeks, so I'll tell oh, you right. all about oh, that cool. when that happens. Yeah. All right. Well, I like vans. Speaking <laughs> of towing with EVs, um, like a child. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I don't know if either of you two have ever watched the Jerry Rig Everything channel on YouTube. No, I have uh, not. He, Zach Nelson, who does the does those videos, uh, he d does some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, he actually had a really good video of, uh, last year. He went to visited a battery recycling factory and walked through the whole process of how they recycle lithium ion batteries, uh, which was pretty interesting. But um, he, you know, um, among the other things, he has built up. He took an old um, military Humvee and converted it to electric. Oh. And uh, it's got got about 100 miles of range. You know, this thing's enormous. I mean, you know, what the, the classic military Humvees are like. Yeah. Um, well, he's been doing some towing tests uh, using that as the uh, ballast, putting that thing on a trailer and using it to tow um, with electric trucks. He's previously done this. He has a Rivian R1T. He's done, he's done this towing test with, uh, with an F-150 Lightning. Um, the R1T went... Um, so this was, you know, with that Hummer on it and the trailer, it's, uh, just over 10,000 pounds and the Rivian went about a hundred miles, um, towing that thing. 
the lightning went about 130 miles, although the, the Rivian was in cold weather conditions. The, the Hummer was in warmer or the uh, lightning was in Hummer, warmer conditions. And he just did this, the same test with a Cybertruck. You want to guess how far the Cybertruck went oh towing God, the Hummer? How far did it go? And it was cold weather, right? This was a yeah, 30 cold feet, weather. 30 feet, 40 feet, 35 feet. Oh, come on. Uh, 100 miles. Nicole, That's my guess. Your guess? Uh, 75. 90 miles. 90. Oh, okay. I was close. Yeah, but you went over, so you lose. I do lose. I yeah. yeah. No. You uh, Nicole wins. Good job. You're a winner. <laughs> yeah, it went, it went 90 miles. Um, you know, and you know, there, there were some good things that he pointed out about it. You know, it's maneuverability with the four wheel steering and everything. Um, but also things like the, the mirror, you know, I mean, the mirror, the interior rear view mirror is unusable if you have the, the rear tonneau closed because, you know, it's, you got that slope back. It up. There's yeah. no yeah. There's zero visibility out the back. You have to use the camera. Um, and having the display for that down in the center screen, instead of, you know, up in front of you. You know, or up, you know, where the mirror would normally be is is not as useful. Um, and um, but when he opened up the tonneau, you know, to try to use the mirror, you know, the the rear the rear window of the cab is a very narrow slot, and they put the cheapest ass mirror in this thing. I mean, really, uh, and it shakes, it yeah, and it's uh, very distorted. Um, so just don't even bother trying to use the mirror. Yeah, you get one uh, of those. Maybe you can replace it with one of those camera mirrors that people. Well, they have they have like. a camera mirror system standard. It's, but, the, it shakes, but it shakes. But it, it's oh, but it's also uh, shaky because it's. Janky. No, the the camera mirror is fine. Oh, because it because it doesn't just unlike all the other cars with a camera mirror, it do, actually doesn't actually display on the mirror. It displays on the touchscreen. Oh, uh, okay. All right, that's fine. But it you. you know, which means you have to look down away from the road to see which it, which is which is less. I, but yeah, hmm. yeah. Oh, well. What are you going to do? Better, better than nothing. But yeah. Um, so, you know, no, to, you know, should not be surprising. No miracles have been um, executed here in terms of the ability to tow long distances with an electric truck or frankly, any other truck. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, so if, if you're, if you're, if you want to tow long distances, you probably want to stay with an internal combustion truck yeah. for yeah. the time being, um, you know, other applications, you know, EV trucks work great, um, just not long distance towing. Yeah, yeah, that's not a not no. there yet. We're not yeah. there yet. So let's yeah. keep the F one fifty and get the Mach E to drive around town, just like there those people whose house I drove by the other day. Exactly, yeah. they nailed it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so, who, which automaker do you think will be the first to deploy humanoid humanoid robots in their factory? Oh, man, this is a, you know what? I'm going to say Hyundai. I, I would have said Hyundai. I would Because they got Hyundai. Boston I Dynamics. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, With BMW like, hey, BMW is like, hey, we got humanoid robots. You, you, and you Tesla's like, Tesla hey. And their robot. Yeah, and they got, t- well, yeah, that, that as well. But Hyundai, they have the robots. Yeah. <laughs> the robots we've been seeing for years. The, they the have Atlas, those. I think is the name of the humanoid robot. Yeah. So they, Well, actually, it's not them. It's BMW. <gasps> they uh they're getting i think five um humanoid robots from a company called figure um and um they are going to test them out at their factory in spartanburg south carolina i feel like they're just going to keep falling over 
And then someone has to come over, pick them up, and two guys. Very, very um, Terminator-y. They do. Um, They've they've got that very metallic look of uh, of the the Terminator robot or a Cylon, you know, from uh, oh yeah, Star Galactica. Star Galactica. Yeah, we need more BSG references in this show. Yeah. So uh, there you go. Yeah, the Cylon Centurions. Command. Yeah, it's got it's yeah. got very much that look or Terminator. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. These it, are uh, these creepy. are these are not friendly looking robots. They no. are creepy. I don't no. want to work alongside those. You know what's funny is that I went to uh, the uh, the Hyundai factory in Singapore where they're like trying out new things, and the, some of the stuff that they use humans, you know, like us, to put in the car, like Hyundai is able to do with with robots, like that don't look like this, just the big arms, like just industrial robot, traditional yeah, industrial robots, like yeah. seats and you know the dash, you know, like putting yeah, in the dash in. Why does that have to look like us? That's what actually it, makes it doesn't. Creepy. That's the thing. Like, why been, make this look like us? We've been using it's, robots in factories for forty years. Like, it doesn't need to. Yeah, Hyundai. Like, hmm, hmm, like hmm. why do we need to make this like a human? It's not like it's an it's not an application where give it another leg or two. Like would be necessary. It's like it's in a manufacturing facility. Just make it do that without looking like a Terminator. Dun, 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 except, dun. except for you know low volume, um, you know, very expensive cars that are basically hand built. You know things like I remember going to the Audi R8 factory back in two thousand eight or nine. Um, you know, and seeing seeing the guys in the in the shop there welding up the aluminum frame by hand. You know, they put the parts in the jig and well, beautiful, well, beautiful, amazing welds in there. Yeah. You know, aside from that sort of thing, you know, pretty much every mass production vehicle built in the last forty years has been completely welded up by robots. Most of yeah. the, almost all the painting yeah. is done by robots. Yeah, you know, and it, it worked. We have technology that works really, really well. You know, it's not necessarily compatible with having a human right next to it, but frankly, you probably don't want humans in your paint shop anyway, and you probably don't yeah. want humans doing you know around the welding anyway because it's, it's dangerous. Um, yeah. But um, you know, they're they're BMW is supposedly going to put these into some of the manufacturing processes, including the body shop, sheet metal, and warehouse in the next twelve to twenty four months. Uh, after they train them to do specific tasks, Again, I, I just I don't why yeah like to Nicole's point why do they have to look like people yeah they, it just it seems like to a, look like people it's like we're just we're just we're just baiting them come on come on overthrow us come on <laughs> uh, we're just really we're just poking the bear <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. they're gonna make the robot yeah. look like a giant there, bear <laughs> there, there are there are there are things you know that there are consequences that may be unintended but are fairly easily predictable and you know if we can predict bad consequences we should probably do what we can to avoid them instead no of one, building mm-hmm. into them has no one watched a sci-fi movie in the last 40 Ever? years is that yeah <laughs> Ever. Of... in their whole life every uh, sci-fi uh, oh well what are you gonna do just gonna right. be nice to I'm gonna be nice to the robots. So when the, the uprising comes up, I'll be like, oh hey, he's a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Um sort of sticking with the robotic topic. Um last year Ford filed a patent uh for a self-repossessing vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, that's another scary bit. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, presumably, you know, if you uh, if you forget to make your payments on your uh, your F one fifty or your Mach E, uh, you know, it can drive itself back to the dealership. Would be the idea. Um, they Ford has apparently decided to let that application expire. Uh, oh no, they're, they're not going to pursue it. Um, so they will still have to send out a repo man to take back that car that you have not made your payments on. Yeah, someone's still taking your car. Except it's just, now it's, it's just not automatic. It's not taking itself. It's someone with a very uh, a questionable tattoo choice. Is still <laughs> most likely. Yes. Yeah. Maybe a mullet. And like, hey, listen, I liked Beavis and Butthead as a kid. Okay, I thought I didn't really think about it. <laughs> I didn't think it through. <laughs> Uh, um, one of the highlights of the Japan Mobility Show in October was the Mazda Iconic SP concept. Um, it, a uh, an RX7 sized sports car, two door coupe, um, with uh, what was described as a uh, two rotor um, hybrid or plug in hybrid powertrain, um, and uh, apparently Mazda has gone ahead and formed a development team uh, to actually pursue um, building something with a Wankel rotary engine for production. We don't know yet exactly what it will be, um, but they're, they're moving forward with it. I feel like this happens every few years, though. Like, for this time, I feel like this, this time, is, it just, it's we're doing happen. it. Okay, silence. We're doing it. Okay, silence. You know, it's just... Well, the, Maybe they, this time... They, I they, mean, in Europe, they had it. I they, guess. Yeah, they do. They do have the the MX30 yeah. with a, a rotary plug-in hybrid system mm-hmm. uh, in Europe, and and also I think also in Japan. But um, I don't know. I mean, I would love to see them build the iconic SP, but I think I would just as soon do have them do it just as a straight up Bev, um, or you know, uh, you know, I I don't know that they're ever going to be able to make a new rotary, you know past modern emissions and fuel economy standards yeah if this came out 200 mile bev their people would be all over it i know it's beautiful. Oh, yeah they would lose it. their l- lose their damn minds just lose throwing their all mind. their money the mazda couldn't make enough of them yeah this thing is beautiful it is a gorgeous car man it's beautiful yeah this is just give us what we want, Mazda. You would not be able to drive it most of the year here. I'm looking at how low it is in the... the, the Listen, the I live in California, so... You can drive it. You could get it. I, I can, can drive, drive it all the months. time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would be happy driving it, you know, eight, nine months of the year. Yes, yeah. Snow. As soon as it was snow and ice, that yeah, would then be just, end. You know, park it next to the Miata after that. You know, for and the, drive the pickup yeah. truck you have. <laughs> in the, or the Civic. Or, or the, the Civic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just get a Subaru. Yeah. Be done. Um, so when I went to, uh, Dearborn the other day, uh, I was there to get, uh, first sort well, sort of the first hands-on experience of the, uh, the new Ford digital experience, uh, which is their new infotainment system. I actually got a first little look at this last summer when, uh, when Lincoln did the backgrounder, uh, for the new 2025 Nautilus, which is coming out in a couple of months. Um, and at that time. They had the system locked, but I was sitting in the car and, you know, said, you know, enter pin number to unlock it. And so I just tapped in zero, 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 and it unlocked. <laughs> um, and so I did play around with it for a few minutes then. Uh, but uh, this is this is their new Android automotive based uh, system. And it it is debuting on the uh, 
uh, on the Nautilus, on the 2025 Nautilus. Um, and, you know, it's got Google services built in. And this is, the Nautilus is going to be their first product in North America to have a full-width display, 48-inch uh, display that spans the entire dashboard. Um, they already have uh, a couple of models in, in China that have this, the, the Zephyr, and there's uh, also a crossover, in, uh, Lincoln cross or Ford crossover in China that has this kind of display, but they use a completely different infotainment system. So this is their first Google-based infotainment system here. Um, did, did you both have a chance to, to look at the video? And I, 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 I got a chance to again. scrub through it. I got a chance oh. to scrub through it. So all I know is like, thanks a lot, Biden. Yeah, I I watched the whole thing. I I, I like watched the whole video, and it was, it was I couldn't like it. It was hard because I'm not sitting in the driver's seat, right? Like clearly, you were sitting in the driver's seat watching this, but it looks like it looks like so much screen in that video. It and especially it is a lot of screen. They they because there's the instrument cluster. There's a traditional like what we'd say infotainment screen that's there, and then this really long piece that's the what do they call it? So whatever, the door-to-door screen there. Coast to coast. Coast to coast, the very far side by the passenger. I don't know how you'd see that without full on like. You gotta turn your head. head. Right, it's not like, I feel like if you're just trying to glance, you can't glance at that. You're gonna have to turn all the way. And I know they keep stuff like the instrument cluster still right in front of you. And it looks like navigation. The navigation that was right next to it, Sam, is that always next to it? It's always yes. nav right next to it? Yes. So the, so the things you need to see, right, are right there. But then all the other little widgety bits off to the side, I don't think you can, I, could you see those without really having to turn your head? I mean, you you can. I mean, they're fairly large. The fonts are large. Okay. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty readable, at least, you know, sitting there, static i mean we didn't yeah. get to drive them yet uh we're going to be driving these in early march march um so you know the, and they they basically describe it as kind of three segments of the screen you've got you know the the driver stuff you know that you need all the time right in front of you which is exactly where it should be not not down on the center screen where you're looking away from the road to see what your speed is it's right up in front of you and i i do you know Several years ago, back in 2019, before the the pandemic, you know, I, and before Biden went belly up, I visited their their tech center in um, in Santa Clara, California, and I went for a ride in uh, in one of their prototypes, and then also spent some time with their their head of user experience, you know, in a buck uh, in the studio, playing around with this the system, this this full width uh, display system, and I like conceptually, I like the idea. Uh, you know, of having the screen, you know, it's up a little bit higher. It's at the base of the windshield. It's pushed away from the the driver. Um, and, you know, so it's closer to your line of sight when you're driving. So, you know, it's, it's right there, you know, it's in your peripheral vision all the time when you're driving. Um, to, Sam, does it, I, cause you asked the guy about a head up display and they don't right. have one right now. Does it put kind of like the instrument cluster almost where you feel like your eyes are looking when you it's, look at it? It's pretty close to it. Yeah. You know, so it's right at the base of the windshield. It's not it's not as high up as it would be with a HUD. Okay. It's 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 close to it. But it's close um, to it. Yeah, you know, okay. it's up it's up higher, you know, and the, the steering wheel in the um in the Nautilus, you know, yeah. is kind of square a little more yeah. squared off. So the top is chopped off like the bottom is, you know, so kind of like what you find in a Corvette or or the the wheel in the uh in the Cybertruck for that matter, or yeah. Lucid. You know, so the screen is above and unlike in the um, uh, the the Toyota BZ4X and the uh, uh, the Prius, 
you know, where they've kind of done something similar because, because the wheel, the top part of the wheel is, is sort of flattened out a little bit. The wheel doesn't cover up the display. Right. Uh, so, you know, and so you get the, the driver information right in front and then just off to the, just off to the right of that is the, the navigation, which is there all the time. And then the left-hand side, you can put up to three widgets on there, or sorry, on the right-hand side, the other left, the right-hand side, you can put up to three glanceable widgets up there and they have example. There's a bunch of different things. You can see it in the video, but, you know, usually things like weather and, um, you know, tire pressure information, why you would necessarily want that there. I'm just like, if I'm, if my tire pressure is getting low, the... just, just pop it up in front of me, you know? Yeah. Right. But also yeah, just... the weather is like, I guess fine, but you know, you're driving outside yeah. and you kind of know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's raining. So it's, not a, it's not a surprise. It's not yeah. like, oh man, I wonder if it's raining. Let me check the weather. You know, uh, it'll be real interesting once we get a chance to drive this to see what it's actually like. In the Biton, what they did on the right hand side was that was information basically just for the passenger. You know, so the pa- the passenger could interact with that information. That's, it wasn't really designed how, for the driver to use. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, it looks like it's, so, and you know, when you have things like weather, whatever random widgets you're going to put up there, it did kind of feel like the sort of thing that you you might pick it and think, but almost figuring like, well, my passenger might care what that is. Like, I can't see you having information you'd want to look at while you're driving reliably all the way over there on the right-hand side. Yeah. Yeah. None of it. Yeah. I, the screen looks really nice. You know, it's a full array local dimming LCD screen. So, yeah. you know, really high contrast, very bright. Yeah, even lo- on looks, your video, and it's yeah. just like a video, it looks, I'm like, oh, this is going to be really pretty in real life. Like, yeah. it looks like it's a good yeah. screen. Yeah. And just, if you're if you're using CarPlay um, and, you know, using Apple Maps instead of Google Maps, it will project the, the Google, the Apple Maps up into the same place where the Google Maps would normally sit in that same spot, okay. to, just to the right of the, the driver information. Yeah. Um, or you can also download Waze from the, the Google Play Store. And if, so if you want to use Waze, it'll pop up in there. So whichever map you're using will pop up in that that map section of the Which screen. Which is nice. So you get yeah. whatever you prefer is up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's neat. I, I'm, ex- I'm actually really. I'm, I mean, I'm it's like, neat, but I don't. I don't see that. The, I'm why. looking forward to. I don't understand it why. And like, <laughs> like how much? It. Like, I want to see. Does it make my like? Okay, does it? I, it's hard to wrap my head around just looking at pictures. Like, what is this going to be like to drive this? Am I going to find that this is better, the same as, or worse than the sort of more you know usual setups that we have? I'm really curious to see if I find that extra foot and a half a screen or whatever yeah. it is over there. Well, you, you need to know like, what. Wow. Now that that's there, I can never go back, you know? I, and I they, they will also have <laughs> versions of the same system with a more traditional setup with instrument cluster display in front of the driver and, and center stack display. Um, you know, they, they didn't show that to us in a car. They just had it, you know, on a benchtop setup. So, so would that be like, for like the Nautilus, they're going to offer the Nautilus with both those options. No, the, the Nautilus oh, will it just, just it will only on have some that. of the cars. Yeah, okay. so because this is going to be rolling out across the lineup over the next couple of years as Got they it. update models. I get it. So, uh, it so there's on the model. Okay. Yeah, so there, you know, there's something else that you know we're going to. I'm going to be going to a backgrounder tomorrow uh, that we won't be able to talk about for a couple more weeks. Um, that uh, we'll probably have that layout in there, and you know, and for other other vehicles. Other interesting thing, yeah. You know, other thing. Um, as as vehicles get this android based system um they will not have sync branding on them anymore so current current stuff that is still sync 3 or sync 4 
retains the sync branding, but the new stuff is either Ford Digital Experience or Lincoln Digital Experience. So Digital Experience uh, is the new instead yes. of Sync, instead of Ford Sync, it's Digital Experience. Okay. Yeah. It's like you've gone to a conference. <laughs> <laughs> Come to the digital experience. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. I keep looking at this thing, and I'm like, I, there's, I don't see the point of having this super widescreen. There, there's uh, yeah, no extra. Think... There's no extra information that I need. That I need an additional screen that I have to turn my head even more to look at than I right. would versus the center. It'll be console. interesting to drive with this. I'm actually really looking forward to driving with all this screen. Yeah. To see what it's actually like and, to. To drive with it. Right. And and the thing, you know, you can also do is, you know, you don't have to have any widgets on there. It can just have a nice wallpaper on there. So right. it yeah. looks nice for the passenger and you don't have to nice. actually have any information over there if you don't yeah. want to. You know what they could have done is gotten rid of that screen and put some buttons back in the car, but I'm just a whole Oh, come on. Let's not Ooh, go overboard buttons. here. Oh, don't go crazy, oh, Robbie. I know. I know. You know, not the thing that people and, want. Here's unfortunately, another thing. Ford, Ford is not one of the companies that is, that is opting to ditch the touch controls for the climate control. Um, oh, on does their, it still have? Oh, I don't. Yeah, know. they still so have this, them. There's the center touch. There's also the second center touch screen, and the climate controls are on there. There, they are permanent. They they always show up across the bottom okay, of that so screen. They don't change. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're always yeah. available there, but they're still touch controls. Uh, yeah. But you know, you have you have the choice of using either Google Assistant or uh, Amazon's. Uh, uh, Alexa voice services to control those vehicle functions, like set the temperature, um, you know, with whichever assistant you prefer. Um, and uh, so you don't actually have to use the touchscreen. And I've, I've used, I've used that and, you know, it, it, it works fine. You know, either one of them work reasonably well for that. I haven't had any issues with that, but um, so that's, that's an option as well. I just drove the EV nine and you know what it had buttons. I know, I know. <laughs> And it was cold. I've made it hot with and, my and finger. Volkswagen's going back to buttons. Everyone's going uh, back know, to Hyundai's buttons. going back to buttons. Yeah. So Same. Is, is the digital experience then just slightly behind the curve? Wait, wait. I thought we were going away from buttons. No, it's in the us. name. It's only digital. Yeah. Come with us to the not all digital experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, I had a, I, I spoke uh, earlier this week with, uh, uh, our friend Andre Smirnov from TFL Trucks uh, for a video that just posted this morning as we were recording this. Uh, and the video is talking about some of the, the issues, you know, because the TFL guys, they test a lot of trucks that have been modified, you know, with lift kits and bigger tires and all sort of stuff, you know, for going off road. And um, so uh, Andre talked to myself, the CEO of AEV, American Expedition Vehicles, and a lawyer about some of the issues around these modified trucks and, you know, why, uh, why you can, you know, what, what are some of the problems you can have with them? You know, what are the, why, why do automakers, you know, sometimes do some kinds of modifications, but not other modifications. Uh, it's good, good video. Um, the link is in the show notes. Uh, definitely recommend you go watch that, uh, from TFL trucks. Um, and, uh, we're going to have to get, uh, Andre and Roman on the show one of these oh, days that'd be great. to talk with us as well. Get those guys as guests here. TFL party. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. And then um, finally, um, there's uh, a short video that I found on threads this morning. 
and we were discussing it before we started recording. I uh, got problems with this video because Rob, Robert, Robbie doesn't believe the video. <laughs> so the, the, I don't know. The, the caption on it is more software defined vehicle problems. Um, and, you know, there it it is, you know, as often is the case, you know, the way the, the video is shot and cropped, you know, it may not be entirely representative of what is being implied, but it is kind of amusing. And it is it is absolutely possible that this could happen. Um, you know, they, they don't specifically identify the vehicle, but from looking at it in the video, we figured out it is the Buick Invista or Buick Envision. Um, and, uh, basically, you know, in the video, any button that, uh, that the, the guy presses, um, causes the horn to go off except for the horn button, which has a completely different function in this particular vehicle. And so. you can't always see where his hands are, which is Robbie's very legitimate. Yeah, right? I'm yes. calling shenanigans because yeah, it's not it's it's close ups. There's not a yeah. wide shot. You can't see like I yeah. If you want to look at it and, and call shenanigans. You can yeah, you can me. voice are you are you in with Robbie that these are shenanigans or is this legit? It feels you like know, given, shenanigans. given the other challenges we've seen with software in vehicles lately it is plausible it's, it's, it's whether plausible. this is whether plausible. this one is real or not it is absolutely plausible <laughs> yeah. it's day. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely go check it out it's only 22 seconds long make up your own mind let us know what you think uh for next week um, all right let's uh let's, let's talk about let's get let's do some listener questions and comments what you uh, want to know Let's see. First up, um, this is one I had intended to address last week and uh, uh, completely forgot, or maybe we ran out of time. I can't. We ran remember. out of time last week. Uh, we that was long. it. Yeah. Um, but um, this was from Jeff D. Uh, he posted in Discord in the Wheel Bearings Discord. And if you're if you're not in the Discord, some fun conversations going on in there. Join it if if you need a link. Uh, send us a send us an email at feedback at wheelbearings.media. Uh, or, you know, send us your questions and comments there. Or, you know, if you want to record uh, a question, you know, send it to us that way instead of writing it out. And we will include it in the show. Uh, so that's feedback at wheelbearings.media. Anyway, Jeff D uh, commented uh, when when I talked about the uh, Alpha Stelvio a couple of weeks back. Uh, said, tell me more about your thoughts about the Julia versus the Stelvio. I'm starting to consider moving on from my 10-year-old BMW 128i. And the Julia is something I've been considering since they seem to be a good value on the used market right now. But at the same time, getting in and out of a relatively low car seems to be getting harder and harder by the month. <laughs> also, Nicole is there. She is. I'm here. Tell, tell us more about your cross-country road trip with Rebecca and her Stelvio. Was it a comfortable road tripper? How does the Stelvio do on the occasional twisties? And which of the two would you prefer to drive for which, – which, which would you prefer for a daily driver? So I can, I'll address it from the whole point of view of having driven a lot of miles in that Stelvio. Um, I like the Stelvio. If you're looking for sportier, you're going to go for the Julia, but it is lower. But if you're looking for that real sports car kind of vibe, you're going to get it more out of the sedan than you are out of this SUV. That said, the Stelvio still has plenty of oomph. It handles really well in the twisties. Driving it with Rebecca across country, which was hours and hours and hours and hours, either in the passenger seat or behind the wheel, that was a comfortable car. Like you, it's the kind of driver you would normally, if a car's not going to live up to road tripping, you're going to notice it because you just have so many days behind the wheel. 
it was really comfortable. We didn't run into any issues. It was good. We had a couple of spots when we were, I want to say we were in Colorado even, and the roads were terrible. They'd had some bad weather and there was sand and that sort of packed ice and stuff. So it was almost that kind of like you get a lot of vibration. Didn't have it, but you could see that the roads were crud underneath the wheels, but it still handled really smoothly. Um, not only that, I drove the Stelvio quite a bit, not this year, but the year before in the the U.S. version of the Mealy Melia that they do in Virginia. And that is all twisties and turnies. Like you're on side roads in Virginia going up and down hills and you've got it. And that was an absolute hoot to drive in that. So I really enjoy driving the Stelvio. I think it's a great, if you're looking at an Alpha and you're trying like, oh, I don't want to get into the real low, like you're saying, getting an Alpha stand gets harder as you get older. It's hard on your knees and your back and such. And you want something you can step into a little bit more instead of stepping up out of. I have no problem recommending the Stelvio. I enjoyed it. And they've recently... I don't know where it stands in the Stelvio because I had it on the, oh my God, what's one down from the Stelvio? I just forgot what it's called. Not the, the Hornet. Um, the Tenali. Tenali. The infotainment has changed a little bit, so I'm not sure where it stands in the Stelvio right they now. They still have the older system. They still have the, okay, because there's a newer system in the Tenali um, that's a little bit better. Um, so the infotainment isn't as nice as I would like it to be. It's not as, it just doesn't function as well. Um, I like the newer version of it better. But I still, that wouldn't be enough to make me not get an alpha. And certainly if you're thinking about going with something that's a little easier to get in and out of, but still want to have fun behind the wheel, the Stelvio works beautifully. Yeah. You know, and the, the Stelvio and Julia have the exact same powertrain options. You, know, you have a two liter turbo, 275 horsepower, I think, mm-hmm. um, or the Quadrifolio with, you know, 505 horsepower twin turbo V6, which is absolutely a fantastic engine. Mm-hmm. Um they're both they're both really good powertrain options. So you have the same powertrains in both, um, same same chassis basically. You know the Stelvio is just taller and you know slightly, you know and um, and the the other main difference is the Stelvio is all wheel drive, the Julia is only rear wheel drive. No, there's no all wheel drive Julia, and then you know the ground clearance. So for example, if you live you know somewhere where it snows a lot. Mm-hmm. You probably want to go for the Stelvio because I have firsthand experience trying to drive a, a Julia Quadrifolio oh, in no. deep snow. Um, it, Did it not go well? Um, I mean, when you have like four and a half, five inches of ground clearance, <laughs> it can only go so well when you have 10 inches of snow. Okay, enough said. Did you try just driving faster? Did you try I, just I, going I, faster? I, I did try that, um, wow. you know, but the problem is I have this corner that I have to take you know, last corner I have to take to get into my driveway. Uh, um, and, you know, when you have limited traction, you know, it's the Stelvio is, you know, is a better solution for that. So depending yeah. on where you live, um, you know, the, the Stelvio is a better option. But as as you said, they both drive actually surprisingly similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're both very sporty feeling vehicles. Um, you know, the, the cabin is basically the same in both, you know, aside from sitting up a little bit higher in the Stelvio, there's not a lot of difference between the two. And of course, you know, the Stelvio as a crossover, you know, utility, um, you know, if you like to, you know, go out to estate sales and stuff like that on the weekends, or you have an active lifestyle and you need some extra cargo space in the back, you know, it has that advantage of, you know, even behind the rear seats, you've got a decent amount of cargo space and you can fold the back seats down and put bigger stuff in there. Um, so for a lot of people, it may be a more practical solution. Um, 
you know, if, uh, you know, if your personal physical mobility is, is not an issue, you know, I personally, I pref still prefer driving a sedan. Um, but you know, that that's a personal preference. And at least for the time being, I can still get in and out of it without, <laughs> without any great difficulties. Um, but you know, I, we're all getting older. So, you know, there's going to be a point where that may not no longer be the case. I can still get in and out of my Miata without difficulty. So <laughs> thankfully that, um, but um, yeah, I mean, either one's a, a great choice. So and I actually did. I drove, I forget the exact trim that Rebecca has, but she does not have the Quadrifoglio. And I, so I, that was not the super powerful version. Then I drove the Quadrifoglio when I drove in the um, U.S. warm-up for the Mille Amelia. So I've driven both. You do notice a difference, but it wasn't like driving Rebecca's car. I was like, oh, this is lackluster. Oh, it's yeah. still super fun to drive. Like, you don't need yeah. the Quadrifoglio. If you want it, sure, go ahead, pay the extra money, get it. But you really don't need that to still have it does sound some spirit. Oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah. but Robbie, have you driven, Julia. driven these? Julia? Julia, I mean, you're driving a 128, so you already live. You probably live somewhere where you don't have to worry about, you know, too much now. Julia, um, if you're concerned about getting in and out, as you get older, it's going to be harder to get in and out of a, a low car. Uh, yoga, just start doing there, yoga. There you go. Just start getting there's real. The, there's limber. the solution. There's the solution. <laughs> yoga. It's good for you. Apparently, it you get you know, yeah, yoga. Just get the Julia. Get yoga. Get on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Rob from LA, uh, sent a note, uh, last week when I was talking about the Pacifica, I made a tragic error. Um, <laughs> this I, is funny and I didn't catch it when you were talking either. <laughs> uh, says you mentioned in the last episode about the Pacifica that there are only three choices, Pacifica, Carnival, and Sienna. I of course <laughs> forgot to mention the Honda Odyssey. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the Odyssey? Nothing, Nothing. happened. It's still here. Nothing. It's still, it's still, still here. a great option. Uh, it doesn't it. have any hybrids. Um, or all wheel drive, but otherwise it's, it's still, it's still a great option. So <laughs> yeah, still sorry, time. Honda, my Oopsie. bad. <laughs> um, all right. Finally, um, Adam Jackalenko, um, wrote in says idea, cue up some generic game show music in the soundboard and start a segment called dealer be dealing when, where people can share the silly experiences they've had with dealers <laughs> recently. And here's where I will insert some Game, some generic game show music uh even if it doesn't take off it i got one for you uh get ready for my episode of dealers be dealing or dealers be dealerin i should say dealerin yeah, keep tabs on uh local cars and a few weeks ago the listed price of this exact maki and in the email he uh inserted a screenshot um, was $58,000 for the last month or so. Attached is what changed to the same day uh, Ford started passing through the $7,500 tax credit on leases. Um, and it uh, is still priced at this today. Fun times. And um, shockingly enough, um, the price went from $58,000 at the dealer, uh, this particular dealer, um, and we shall shame him, uh, Perry National City, um, not sure where they're located. Um, let's see. I'm going to Google and see if I can figure yeah. it out. Very national city, uh, Ford, um, 22,000 Mach-E GT, $65,965, which, uh, shockingly is about $7,500 more than it was the day before. They're in California, by the way. Oh, national, national city, city, California. National okay. city, California. Yeah. yeah. So <sighs> Ford, 
board you know decided to pass along the tax credit on a lease so the dealer jacked up the price by $7500 of course dun 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 mm. yes <sighs> so avoid Perry National City Ford yeah cuz that's Cause- shady uh, that's all for this week. And join me again next time for another rousing round <laughs> of Dealers Be Dealerin'. Dealers Thank you, be Adam. Dealerin'. Thank you so much. Love it. <laughs> and if anybody else has any of these kinds of uh, Dealers Be Dealerin' uh, episodes for us, please send them in. We would love to uh, shame more dealers because they deserve it. They do. Um, all right. Um, I also have uh, a interview that I did at CES with Paul Thomas, who is the president uh, for mobility for Bosch uh, North America. And we talked about a bunch of stuff that, that Bosch is doing, including interior cabin sensing, some of their ADAS stuff, uh, electrification, uh, some, some good stuff in this conversation. Uh, so we'll have that uh, tacked on at the end here after we all say goodbye. And oh, I can't forget to also thank our patrons for your support. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. 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 All right. So a big part of uh, yesterday's uh, press conference and also the presentation we saw on on, uh, on Sunday morning, uh, it was all about mobility and the president of mobility for the Americas. Um, I'm sure you've got some thoughts. Like one of the the big things, uh, big trends uh, I heard, especially from uh, from Sunday, was uh, around in-cabin sensing. And this is a growing area across the industry. Um, and, you know, for a company like Bosch, you know, you've got a long history with sensing on the outside, looking out from the vehicle. Now looking in, you talk a little bit about in-cabin sensing. What are, the, what, are some of the great th- what are some of the benefits of it? And what are some of the potential downsides we have to watch out for? Yeah, I mean, there's some, I mean the, the beauty of, of in-cabin sensing, you can use it for everything we stand for, right? So you can... They could envision safety, right, for a child left behind or a dog in the car or anything along those lines, right? Because with radar, you can sense heartbeats. You can do lots of different things. Um, In-vehicle sensing also allows you to um, look into driver distraction, right, which is also a problem as well nowadays. And I think there's even legislation eventually that's going to address driver distraction and and what that does. And then you also can, in the ride-sharing environment, you can use uh, interior sensing to sense the business that's happening on the vehicle as well. And interior sensing can be visual, it can be vocal, it can be um, olfactory as well. Um, you, can, you can smell what's going on in the car. So there's so many opportunities um, to use interior sensing for all the right purposes. And for, that's why it's exciting for us. And the technology has to be very... Um, legitimate too. So you, the worst thing you could have is a false positive um, in an interior sensing situation that creates a safety maneuver that creates um, a false message or that delivers something wrong um, to the vehicle and the dynamics. So I wouldn't want lots of false. So, so accuracy is really important for us. You can use cameras for interior sensing. You can use radar. You can use um, LIDAR, which isn't as, as relevant, but typically it's either some form of um, ultrasonic sensing, cameras, um, video, of course, video with camera um, or radar. And to your comment on, on uh, false positives, um, one of the things that we saw in the presentation the other day, um, yeah. it had to do around with detecting um, dr- uh, drunk drivers. Yeah, you know, it, you got the, the legislation from the infrastructure bill 
that is requiring NHTSA to come up with a regulation uh, to mandate some sort of anti-drop driving technology. Yeah. Uh, so false positives are really important there, you know, trying to find the right balance. And yeah, and the, and the legality of it, the legality of it always is um, also complicated, right? I mean, we we don't want to be in a situation where the police say, hey, um, according to camera by company X, um, you are intoxicated or there's under certain levels of um, impairment. Now, we'll be willing to work with the government and things like that, but that's something that's real difficult for us. Because you can always sense by someone's eyes the the color of their pupils, the way that they're dilated and things like that. There's ways to come very close to understanding if someone is not in the right state of mind to drive you. Yeah, and uh, um, yeah, you mentioned uh, the distraction. Of course, drowsiness yeah. are big problems. I mean, in a lot of ways, they're you know, as bad as being impaired. Even if somebody's not impaired, you know, that's, that's a serious issue when somebody's trying to control a vehicle. Yeah. No, I mean, driver distraction, I mean, with... with you know, the laws that we're even seeing, um, I live in Michigan, do you, are you in Michigan? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't even look at your phone anymore mm-hmm. while you're driving. Well, I mean, when people look at their phones, they tend to sway a little bit or move off the lines. And I think that distraction is a bad thing. Connectivity brings distraction, though. Yeah. Right, so we want, <laughs> excuse me, we want people to be connected, but you want to be connected at the right times. And if they are connected, you want them to be safe. And with all the screens that we're putting in cars now, you know, even if you even if you, your phone is in your pocket, we still got all these screens that can be very distracting as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and that's true. And I mean, no matter how hard you try to keep the driver from looking away from his screen into the passenger side, I mean, I've seen people with having phones just mounted on their their uh, uh, windshield watching TV while they're driving. Yeah, so so uh, is Bosch looking at also <laughs> potential for integration of in cabin sensing with ADAS systems to, yeah, I mean you could. There's we have certain platform called Ride Care and, and and things along those lines where you can take a holistic approach, um, an overall vehicle approach to what's happening outside the vehicle and what's happening inside the vehicle. Um, you can use interior sensing even for retail communications, like when you deliver your rental car back. Right, interior sensing can can tell people whether they've left a package in the back seat, whether the owner smoked in the car, whether um, there's certain things that have happened that rental companies don't like to have happen, or even things that they do like to have had. So I, I, I think sensing outside of the vehicle is very important for physical-based uh, collision avoidance, for physical-based um, acknowledgement of the environment. But inside the car is getting more and more important. Yeah. Right? And uh, even as you look at driver training and how driver training is now, you know, changing, you know, if you look at the world and how you get your license in the U.S. versus how you get your license in other countries, I believe you can you can use interior sensing to help improve the likelihood that right, so a, to drive. yeah, a better driver. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, okay. One one last thing on on the in cabin sensing uh, is the the topic of privacy. Uh, you know, we we got you know quite a few vehicles on the road now that have driver monitor systems. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're getting into more advanced systems. We talked about, but. Even with that, with the, the driver monitor system, there's concerns with people that you know, this information might be recorded and might be used against them in the yeah. future. Uh, yeah, I mean, it goes, if you think about, you know, the traffic violations in Europe when people were driving by and it takes a picture of them, right? And you, you see their face and you're like, well, that guy was driving in the wrong area and, and it doesn't work out that well. I think that interior sensing, I mean, there's a fine line you need to follow. I mean, as far as information sharing and, and 
rights of people of being sensed inside their vehicle. I mean, there's ways to anonymously sense as well. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not as interested in, this, in someone's, let's say, distinct facial characteristics. I'm more interested in certain um, parts of their body and what it's doing that could be relatively anonymous. Right. Are, are there indications that you know, they might be having a medical emergency. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could do. Tired. You could sense heartbeat. You could sense um, stroke activity. There's lots of things you can do, and I think some owners are just gonna. Some people may feel real comfortable having that. I mean, at times, I, I mean, at times when I'd like to have interior sensing in my vehicle, there's times where maybe people don't, and that's gonna be the, that's gonna be the government turn off or turn on type discussion. Devin. let's move into a different area of electrification, sure. uh, which is something that was talked about quite a bit yesterday. Um, first, you know, on the vehicle side, um, Bosch is expa- has expanded its investments in silicon carbide technology. Yeah. And uh, so talk a little bit about that and what the benefits there. Yeah, so silicon carbide is just um, not just. It's a, it's, a, it's a great technology that improves the efficiency of anything that it's contained in. So versus older technologies or older silicon, if you move to a silicon carbide, technology, you're automatically going to increase its efficiency. Um, given how it's used, the efficiency gains could be double digit, they could be single digit, but there will be efficiency gains. Those efficiency gains then um, really impact the amount of energy a vehicle uses. So how you choose to use that efficiency could be longer range of the vehicle, they could be faster charging of the vehicle, they could be improved torque or vehicle dynamics. So the fact that you can have more energy in this, it, the same or smaller package and convert that energy in a more efficient way is the perfect solution for um, electric vehicles, right? Because everything you hear about is range, uh, time to charge, effectiveness of um, the vehicle to have range under different environmental conditions. And silicon carbide gives you all of it. And silicon carbide, for, for listeners uh, are familiar with it, is, is used to chips that are used in the uh, power inverters. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can use them. I mean, there's silicon carbide in lots of the consumer devices that even you'll see in the show today, but primarily for automotive usage, they go into the high-powered inverters that convert that convert the energy into usable, that convert electrical energy into usable energy for the vehicle. So like from DC to direct current, the battery to AC, the Correct. loaders. Correct. Uh, what about uh, other applications, uh, for example, on the, on the chargers? Uh, you know, on DC chargers, uh, you know, they're taking in, unless they're hooked up to solar, they're, they're taking in uh, AC alternating current from the grid and invert in, and you've got the inverter at the, at the charger level. Is, is, or is Bosch looking at uh, utilizing that technology, silicon carbide or, or other Yeah, sure. I mean, there? The, the beauty about silicon carbide is you can use it in multiple different ways. You, we want to compete at the, uh, the die level, which means that the the basic uh, wafer level that you saw outside if you'd had a chance to view. We also can cut that die and put it into a power module. The power module can be used in a vehicle inverter or a charging inverter. And we also want to use it to build the power module that we put in our own inverters. So the beauty of it is we can do, we can supply now from the bare die all the way to the inverter from Bosch. And that's the beauty of silicon carbide for us. And our value chain about having the the silicon carbide in California versus, let's say, somewhere in Southeast, Southeast Asia is a great benefit. All right, there's lots of reasons why 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It's more, more supply chain resilience, yeah. having a diversity of locations. Correct. Correct. There's disruptions from whether it's natural disasters or geopolitical issues. Yeah, and we've been and we've been pretty clear in a lot of our press releases that you know um, the Chips Act is very much supportive of this, and we feel that we're in a very good um, a very good position to to try to work on getting to some level of um, local funding, either from local governments or federal governments, to help expand silicon carbide. And and the, you're producing silicon carbide today in Europe. Uh, the the new the factory in Roseville, California, that you've invested in. When is that going to be produced? Yeah, so we'll start producing chips in 2026. Okay, and we'll ramp up um, ramp up you know through 2026 to 2028 up to certain uh, the amount of uh, chip. But we'll be a high volume facility by 2028, 29. Of course, I mean that's our plan. Yeah. Everything's got to go. There's a lot of um, I's, dots, and T's that have to happen, but we're feeling pretty good about. It. Um, the charging equipment itself is that something? Is Bosch interested in expanding its presence in that area, producing charging? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've worked in the charging equipment area before. Right now, we're focusing more on the connectivity of the uh, charging unit to the vehicle. I mean, uh, lots of times cables can be different. There can be smart cables that can tell you uh, whether it's getting the right amount of energy, the wrong amount of energy. So, I mean, we're definitely involved um, in. The charging infrastructure are we building charging stations and is that one of our core business fields if necessary yes but it's not really the main the main target for us i mean those will be you know either retail in nature or you know we don't build who builds shell their gas pumps for their stations and yeah. so um during the press conference yesterday a big portion of it was talking about heat pump technology and it's a new heat pump technology that Bosch has developed yeah. for operating at low low temperatures um is is that something that is Bosch is also looking at uh, adapting for automotive applications? For, for well, I mean, I mean, heat pumps. Are, uh, well, you could use a heat pump to to set up some sort of charging network, right? But heat pumps require geological um, geological support, right? Because you have to pull the cool air from somewhere. Yeah. Right. So the heat pumps that we showed yesterday were more primarily related. Correct me if I'm wrong. More related for home comfort. Yeah, than they were for vehicle comfort. I'm seeing application in thermal management. Now, I think I think uh, you can have heat compressors or different things in thermal management that help you move fluids, and um, so maybe the concept is similar. Um, uh, um, and we could call them heat pumps, water pumps, the coolant pumps, and those pumps move coolant around, of course, the battery to cool it during charge. You and since you don't have um, an engine that you have to cool. Right, Fazé, you're more. You don't have that source of waste heat yeah. on the internal combustion edge on an EV. Correct. So the heat pump could be helpful in heating the cabin. Correct. Correct. Yeah, in electrical heat and heat. I mean, it, we do we do use recirculating pumps and heat compressors along those lines. The concepts are a little bit different. I wouldn't draw okay a technical similarity, a strong technical similarity between the whole comfort heat pump and an automotive, okay. um, an automotive pump at Dallas. Um, you do also produce a lot of other components um, for EVs, motors. Yep. You've got the plant in Charleston, South Carolina, producing motors now. Yep. Um, now, how um, how's that business, and how how's the the technology? How do you see the technology progressing there? Yeah, I mean, we've been in rotating electrical products for. I've been with Bosch for thirty yeah. years, and when we st- I started in the rotating electrical group, right? So we've always been great at rotating electrical. We've always been really understanding of good dynamics for anything. So for us, 
e-machines are a great um, product portfolio for us. They they encounter all the things we love to do. We love to wind machines. We love armatures. We love the type of material that has to go into it. And we're very, very good at high tolerance type machines. And we're very efficient in all of the e-machines um, that we produce in Charleston. And even in Anderson, you know, if you talk about uh, uh, EVs, I always go the full gamut, right? I mean, and Anderson will be making a fuel cell. The fuel cell will go into a truck right. that's going to use the fuel cell to charge batteries to drive a Class 7-8 semi. So, yeah, I think... going to be my next question. I, I yeah. had a chance to ride in the Nikola. Yeah, what'd you think about go? it? It's amazing, you know, how quiet and smooth it is and the acceleration it has. Yeah, and um, it's, it's a very impressive truck. Yeah, we're real happy with our partnership uh, with them. And, uh, I mean, hydrogen will be... You know, there's... There's going to be a little bit of an adoption time right now with the hydrogen hubs being approved by OECD um, at the end of last year. So there's a lot of, I won't say a lot of money, but there's money available for people to build hydrogen infrastructure. And I just think it's going to take some time. Yeah. yeah. And I think companies like Nikola, I mean, you're not going to build infrastructure for 200, 300, 400 trucks, right? You've got to build infrastructure for thousands of vehicles. So that will happen. And... Uh, I think the same is happening with electrification. I'll go back to your question. Sorry, I didn't mean to take you off tangent a little bit. But yeah, Charleston, we have e-machines. Anderson, we have um, FCPM, but also uh, inverters as well, which is part of our electrical um, vehicle architecture. Also could be made <coughs> either in Europe, or we could do those in Juarez or Anderson or other areas. Okay, so what I yeah, for now, and then... Uh, Continuing on the, the hydrogen theme, you know, obviously we're starting to see some small number of hydrogen semi-tractors uh, out on the road now. There's a few dozen of the, the, the Nikola trucks. There's a few dozen from another uh, another company running around California now. Yep. Uh, but during the presentation yesterday, they also mentioned uh, you start production on hydrogen fuel injectors for internal combustion. Uh, yeah, so there's the market there. So there's a couple of ways to inject hydrogen, right? So are you familiar with like propane and natural gas injection? So what Mike was referencing yesterday was not liquid injection. So, um, so the technology is very similar to delivery of um, a diesel to a liquid fuel like gasoline or um, or diesel, and hydrogen um, has the potential to use very similar know-how that components of course similar know-how and being able to control and regulate the combustion and also to be able to control and regulate the engine. And we believe that's a very good um, opportunity for us. Injected um, H2 isn't our primary path right now. So the engine Mike was referencing yesterday um, was not liquid, but was air. And we see that in some of our heavy duty customers, Damn. not only here in North America, but also in India well, and India and in China. So globally we've got We've got H2 in Again, mainly for the heavy-duty market, as with the fuel cells. Yeah. yeah. And it's all going to depend on what's how readily available hydrogen is, correct? I mean, Toyota has a great infrastructure for hydrogen with their Mirai and things, and it's a great vehicle if you've never driven it. But still, yeah. but still, you know, you wouldn't know the difference. But uh, the fuel, that still isn't easy. Yeah. And both in terms of, of availability and, and yeah, it uh, you know, looking up, looking up a hydrogen uh, nozzle to, but, to tar. But you know, if I look at challenge. if I look at the environment that we're living in right now, right? We have internal combustion engines, we have electrification, we have 
um, hydrogen. We'll also have different types of hybrids that I think you'll start seeing the market move towards. And I think we want to play in all of those areas. Well, we're not ready to give up on our technology and ICE, but we're also not ready to say we're putting all the eggs in the electrification basket. We want to partner there, and then we're also looking in the future. So I think we've got a good... Well, with your with your capacities in, in both electric motors, the inverters, some of the other components, are, are you um, also targeting the hybrid market uh, with some of that technology? Yeah, I think if you look into 48-volt type hybrids, especially in Brazil, um, with the flex fuel situation there, um, where they're able to use ethanol um, and um, be more, more of a liquid fuel co- country, 48-volt and mild and strong hybrids, I think, are going to find a way in to this. Because as you extend pure BEV, uh, and the government allows hybrids to be ZEV compliant, and the problem with the problem with H2 as well, it's not ZEV compliant yet. They don't give you zero emissions. So that's going to, once that happens, maybe we'll start seeing more of that. Um, but fundamentally, I think that uh, having that full gamut of products while you bridge the technologies from pure combustion to pure electrification is going to be a while, right? I mean, all the investments are starting to slow down a little bit. I think you're seeing that in, in the infrastructure to build batteries as it did the U.S., right? Uh, so, hey, final thoughts on mobility and kind of where you see Bosch going, anything we haven't talked about that yeah, I mean, well, I, I've been thinking a little bit about this because there's a lot of ways I could answer that question. Um, but the one thing I do like is the focus on energy I'm seeing this year at the start of 24 and how people are looking at energy as the savings, not as a certain technology to generate energy savings. So to me, that's the way we should look at it. Because when people just say, oh, do everything electric, you're ignoring how that energy is developed and you're ignoring where the energy is coming from. You've got to look at the entire ecosystem. Exactly. So the fact that we're looking more at energy and the ecosystem, I, I applaud that. Because then, we really make, then we're really making the responsible decisions for mobility, not based upon a certain technology that's cool, but one that fits into the region that we're working and one that has the, the infrastructure and the technology to support it. Then it makes the world better by nature. Yeah. So. That, that's the way I'd answer. I mean, mobility tied to energy now is nice. There's always great things to talk about. I mean, five years ago, it was autonomy. Two years ago, it was, uh, you know, electrification was going to take over. That who knows what's next. But I like keeping it real balanced. Yeah, well, now, yeah, big thing this week seems to be putting uh, a large language model support into cars. You know, yeah. and, and so that's, you know, that's going to consume more energy. So Yeah, and that's it. If you don't have the energy, yeah. car won't go. That's right. <laughs> All right. Paul, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, too. Thanks, Sid. Greetings. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.